What's new listeners, I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you're in the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be discussing the 2019 Second Chance Romance novel, The Romance Book Club, by Lisa K. Adams. And joining us for this particular episode today, we're bringing back Tori of Ready to be Petty, who has already been on the show three times before, now coming back for her fourth guest spot. Say hello, Tori. Hi everyone. Hi Arthur. So good to be here. Yay. And you know, always a pleasure to have you on. And for listeners who may not know, she hosts uh, again Ready to be Ready to be Petty, which covers the you know celebrity gossip, you know culture, all of that good stuff. Yeah, and you were a guest earlier this spring. You'll have to yeah. come back on. And yeah, we had a lot of fun talking. Talking some crap about some celebrities. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, there's always the news about that popping around. Like I feel like I feel like as of late, one of the topics that stuck with me the most was uh Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. And the whole yes. around that was just like wow, that, yeah. that blew yeah. up a bit. I know, and then it it kind of like died down, but then when their movie comes out this winter, oh, I'm sure the rumors might yeah. pick up again. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just I don't I don't like I don't like cheating. I would like I would I would very much hope that there wasn't any cheating and that it's just rumors. But I don't know. Maybe it was infidelity, yeah. and that kind of puts it almost like puts a, a bit of a taint over the movie itself. But then it also causes buzz around it. You know, it, it brings in more audiences, and it's frustrating because I, like, I myself, I'm looking forward to the to the movie. I'm always up for you know, a good old rom com, and I find both of the stars to be charming on screen. So, absolutely, yeah. No, I'm stoked for it. Um, partly to see just their chemistry play yeah. on the screen. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be very intriguing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah, so today, the Romance Book Club, which is a book that I have read before a few years ago and was actually one of the first rom com novels that I've ever read. Like, this was back in my period, I think 2019 or 2020, when I'd been just diving back into books and really reading lots of stuff. And again, one of the first rom com novels I read was just the Romance Book Club. So I hold quite a bit of nostalgia for it, and uh, be- and before we get into our general thoughts and feelings on the book, not spoilery, of course, I'm gonna read the back cover for this for any listeners who maybe don't know what what it's about. The first rule of book club: you don't talk about book club. Nashville legend's second baseman Gavin Scott's marriage is in major league trouble. He's recently discovered a humiliating secret: his wife Sia has always faked the big O. When he loses his call at the revelation, it's the final straw on the already strained relationship. Sia asks for a divorce, and Gavin realizes he's let his pride and fear get the better of him. Welcome to the Romance Book Club. Distraught and desperate, Gavin finds help from an unlikely source, a secret romance book club made up of Nashville's top alpha men. With the help of their current read, a steamy Regency titled According to Countess, the guys coach Gavin on saving his marriage, but it'll take a lot more than flowery words and grand gestures for this hapless Romeo to find his inner hero and win back the trust of his wife. Alright, so 
General Sasha Feelings now on the Romance Book Club. Chloe, what do you think? Yeah. Okay, so first off, I... Okay, so I've been reading romance novels only for about three years, but I've read about 300 books. Like, it can be three things to go through. <laughs> yes, I, it's very much like a hyperfixation where like some weeks I will just read like four books. But... I have always talked about this po- this uh not podcast this premise with other romance novel readers is like the premise being why do straight men not read romance novels that are usually written you know by women for women to spice up their sex lives or their dating game or whatever like that has been something I've talked and thought about forever because it seems so simple um so yeah I love that this book really plays on that premise um and then it's just a super easy read super fun read I think it was under 300 pages so you can just zoom through the through the book and you know it was cute it was super cute that's good that's good all right so my thoughts on my general thoughts and feelings on this book, I want to say right off the top that I like this book. I don't think I love it like I used to. I think I, yeah. I used, yeah. and <laughs> I, I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on any criticisms you have as well. But what I'll say is that. Oh, there's criticism. Okay. <laughs> okay good, good. Because I was wondering when you, when you were talking about the book, I was like, wait, she doesn't have any criticism for this book. <laughs> Just okay. wait. I will get into okay, it. Good, good. <laughs> I'll save it for the spoiler section. <laughs> uh, because, yeah. yeah, I like this book, but I don't love it. What I would say about the book is that, as you were saying, you know, straight men, uh, why don't they read the romance novels to try to learn how to how to date and how to understand women? I, I feel like that was a premise that drew me in when I was starting to dive into romance books. And I think it's also interesting to read it myself as a, like a, a cis-head guy who's also reading this and who does, you know, very much love romance novels. I've covered quite a few on this show. So the, the premise is, is, is very hooky. You know, it's got that, it's got yes. that pull. And I, think, yes. and I think the book handled some elements pretty... I think that Lisa K. Adams does a good job at handling some elements pretty nimbly. For example, this is a second chance romance, and and it's evolving around a marriage, and a marriage that is coming close to collapsing in this book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting how the book handles this in a pretty lighthearted fashion, and it doesn't get overwhelmingly depressing, which I, it could have gone. Yeah. Again, again the totally. marriage is very close to falling apart, but the but the book doesn't weigh you down and make you feel sad. No, no. Yeah. Well, you kind of know it's going to be an H-A-E and like, or H-E-A and like that helps, I think. But you're right. It's very, like you're saying it's a rom-com. It's definitely like emphasis on the calm. Like there were parts where I was like laughing out loud. Like some of it was like really funny, but um. Yeah, you're right. It could have been like really depressing, especially because I don't think this would be considered a spoiler, but the the couple has two young daughters. Yeah. So like, that's a heavy element. Yeah. Uh, So so yeah, the daughters involved and yeah, it could have been heavy, but it isn't. And I think that 
handled in an agile fashion. And uh, I also liked how this book uses dual POVs, POVs from Gavin and Sia's perspective. I think also because they have some miscommunication issues. And I think yeah. I think the book, I like how the book makes that, like it's not like a miscommunication trope, like thrown in just to advance the plot. I like how the book uses that and as like the core of the issues. And I like how the POVs were able to see the situation from both of the sides and understand like, oh, we can see how one person is on one track and thinking one way, the other person is just on a completely different track. And you can understand yeah. why they're, like why they're not linking up correctly, why they're miscommunicating. And it makes it more like easy to relate to in that fashion. Yeah. And I think their story, although I think it's an extreme circumstance of how, you know, far along this ha- like goes for, but I definitely think like just when you again, I don't have kids, I'm not married, but like I could imagine, you know, having kids quickly in the relationship getting married quickly in the relationship and then just falling into like kind of a status quo that this could happen. So I think that those kind of parts were really realistic. Yeah, definitely. And and the way that this book, this book also encourages a healthy form of masculinity with the, with yeah. the romance book club. Also another, another, another notable part was the men and this book focusing on the importance of being vulnerable with each other calling each other out if they say something like if they say something that's sexist or kind of like or, or, or mean in some fashion they call each other out on that and it's, and it's interesting to hear how Lisa K. Adams actually in, in an interview she even talked about how she was like she ha- came up with this idea a long time ago shelved it and then once the 2016 election came around and, and yeah. all the news around Donald Trump came out and it's like, oh, yeah. about him uh, committing, uh, like being such a, a creep and sexual assault and just how derogatorily he speaks about women. Lisa K. Adams yeah. was like, it inspired her, all of this news, and inspired her to, because of the locker room talk and how like Donald Trump and yeah. inspired the locker room talk conversation and about, and about like, oh, men, like the way they talk about women and how it can be misogynistic when they're in their own, like, private spaces together. And she and Lisa K. Adams wanted to create, basically, like, what if there was locker room talk, but a healthy version of it for men. Yeah, yeah. And this is displayed in this book. Which, again, I also I also appreciate that. Again, it's a whole premise, and I really appreciate that. 100%. I appreciated that part, too. But I felt like it felt a little too idealistic because <laughs> I was like, yeah. girl, I don't think any major league uh, baseball team is playing or talking uh, like this after the games. Um, yeah. And like, I wish they were, but like, I just kind of doubt it. So like, sometimes I was I was a little bit eye rolly at that just because I was like, like, like is is this how I want men to talk? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Is this the reality? I don't know. Like, someone tell me. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, there are. I, I would say in the sequels, in the sequels for the series, because any funny listeners who don't know, there are more books to come after this. And I've read all of them except the most recent one. I think the most recent one was A Very Merry Romance, if I, if I recall correctly. Mm. But otherwise, I've read the other sequels. So other sequels can get a little more stiff, a little more yeah. preachy with how it presents the commentary. 
I feel like the first book is probably the first book maybe has some moments that feel a bit pedantic, but I feel like the first book is the one that's most successful in delivering the commentary on these issues. Yeah, and I, I do agree that there was only some parts that I was, like, pulled out of it. Otherwise, I was like, okay, this is, like, decently, like, natural and stuff like that. There was only a few moments in the book where I was like, eh, this isn't happening. <laughs> but, like, but... It's the dream, obviously, oh, yeah, but I just, I yeah, but I don't know. I just didn't think that it was maybe maybe happening. But I will say, Gavin. Again, I don't. I don't think this is spoilery, but you're right. Vulnerability is like a huge part of this, and being, you know, taking accountability or responsibility or admitting something that you like did wrong or being vulnerable at your feelings is so hard for men, especially, but women too, and obviously all types of people but the way that the author described it like you know like the heat was prickling up his neck and like he was feeling flush and like stuff like that like I was like this is like really real and uh as a person that like often has a hard time being vulnerable I was like this is like you know I'm in I'm admiring their like courage for to do some of these things so I I I did appreciate those parts yes yes and as for the characters of, of Gavin and Sia themselves, uh, they were, I, so I, I find them to be fairly endearing, although there are times when, uh, when they can annoy me, Gavin and Sia. Yeah, um, same. Like, I, like, Loki was so mad at Thea, like, the entire book. Like, obviously, we'll get into, like, specific plot points, but I was actually, like, team Gavin, like, a lot of the time, and I'm never team man. Like, I am, like, staunchly team woman, yeah. like, supporting women's rights and wrongs, and I just, like, I, like, literally was kind of low-key team Gavin. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I was... I feel like I was team both at different times of the book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And again, yeah, I'll, sure. I'll say for specific details later, but just, yeah, specific, you know, team both at different times because, yeah, endearing, but also very flawed and just the way they're handling their relationship in certain immature ways. One character. So immature. One character I really did not care for this time around. Can you guess who was character I really didn't care for? Can you guess? Was it just wait? Well, I don't know because there's a several. Was it Brayden Mack? Was it no. Liv? Yes, yes. Was it Liv. Liv? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I really, I think that Liv is like kind of a. Um, so Liv is Thea's sister, and she's staying with Thea. Uh, during this kind of breakup, and she's very much obviously like supporting her sister. I really think that unless the like ink is like on the page, you should not talk shit about, you know, your sister's partner yeah. to the extent that she was like talking shit. I was like, because yeah. they could very easily get back together and then you've talked a bunch of shit about him. It was, like, yeah, it was just, I did not, I did not really like live in this book. I felt like she was so passive aggressive yeah. with Gavin so un unnecessarily. Like, I get defending your sister, but also, like, yeah. there's no need to act like this. 
and and a book. One hundred percent. Okay. Also, like, okay, I really want to get into spoilers. Uh, I'll just save this, but I think I think now, like, live there. She's so mad at Gavin, and I'm like, for what? Literally for what? Like, I just. I don't know. We can yeah. we can debate it once we yeah. get to that section. Good, good, good. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, yeah, wind-up score now. Time for wind-up score. So that's the part where yeah. we each get to present a score that ranges from 0 to 100 for the book. So, Corey, your wind-up score. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a 70. Yeah, I think, like, okay. I, I'm a harsh critic. As you've probably, if you've heard me on this podcast before, I, I feel like I've always ranged in like, except for E-E-A-A-O-O, I feel like I was like, um, like, yeah, really low. But I think, yeah, it had like good, fun, sexy plot points. And then there was, I feel like a few, yeah, like really annoying things that I just like, didn't care for but I think I will say I think I will read the next couple books Ooh, so yeah. like it, I, I it, it got me I recommend that yeah you know yeah I recommend that it's been a while actually since I've read sequels but so it's the next book it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna have live in it as one of the stars so you know oh my god she falls in love with one of the players yeah oh I'm dead <laughs> of course she does because it just wait it isn't doesn't she like say hi to one of them at the end of this book? Uh, oh my god! Yeah, it, well, there's a there's a moment. Yeah. There's a moment. Well, there's a well, moment. Yes, of course, there yes, is. Yes. Oh, well, maybe I won't. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can try. You can try. Yeah, yeah. Attempt. Yeah, yeah. No, I will. Uh, wow, seventy for you. And yeah. Also, I would say, I thought you were pretty high towards. Uh, why am I blanking on the name? Gavin? No, no. The, what was the other oh. cons we covered here? There was, no. I, I keep wanting to. Just... A merry little, a merry little meet cute. Yes, that. And then what was the one by Elena Honest? Uh, why am I forgetting the name of it? Oh, the um, one that comes before the American um, Roommate. Spanish, the Spanish. Yes, yes. I don't know why I was blanking on that name, but yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you're right. I think I gave those ones eighties probably. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Maybe I'm not as harsh as I think <laughs> But, yeah, so my wind-up score, I'm going to give 70 as well out, of, well out of 100, yeah. 70 out of 100. Nice. Because I, yeah, you know, I would recommend that people check out this book. Just know that it is not perfect. It's got some flaws. It's got some annoying little parts. It's got, it's got a grand gesture that I'm not entirely... Uh, happy with it kind of bugs me somewhat makes me roll my eyes yeah little, little tropes like that there's one side character who is just such a comedic a comedic relief trope. yeah and it's like <laughs> this is like if you were watching a rom-com a movie like this character is definitely just a flat out comedic relief 100% like the Melissa McCarthy of the of the book yeah. But you know it's got some it's got some good parts some parts that are pretty well handled as we were facing before and I think this would be worth picking up though so, yeah all right and now the romance book club will talk about the full plot but first I'll give the trigger warnings for sexual content past shower neglect bullying for a speech impediment 
pass and fidelity, vomiting, profanity, and alcohol. Yep, that's all the trigger warnings, and now let's get into the plot breakdown. So, listeners, if you haven't read this before, maybe it's a plot podcast, go pick it up and read it. But if you have read the book, or you haven't, but you're okay with spoilers, then you can just stay right here. And alright, so the book just opens right up with a scene that I feel like would be, could be pretty dark if, if the tone wanted to be that because Gavin is just drunk in, in, in this hotel room on craft bourbon when, uh, when a few of his friends drop by and they're like, in a check up on him and they're like, what the hell is going on? Because, yeah. because his wife of three years, uh, Sia, and, and because she wants a divorce, she announced that. And again, I feel like, it, like it's pretty funny, but also it could have been dark if it wanted to be. Yeah, 100%. Like, thankfully, this wasn't, you know, a reoccurring, like, a substance abuse issue. Like, it was just seemingly this this one time, and it feels like, obviously, he has good friends to support him. But, yeah, I was like, oh, this could have been really dark. He was like, yeah, yeah alone in, like, a hotel room. But then you find out, obviously, that he's a... Because I was like, oh my god, that's so expensive. He's like on his own. Then I'm like, oh, but he's like a MLB player. Oh, yeah. Like he he can afford to be in a hotel for a few weeks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And by the way, Lisa K. Adams, her husband, is a sports writer. So I'm assuming that yeah, plays some inspiration for this that baseball. Although this book does not involve baseball, really. It's one of those sports romances where the sport itself isn't all that heavily involved. Like, I feel like other books, like hockey romances or stuff like that, involve more of a sport. But this- That's such a good point, because, uh, yeah, you're right. They talked a little bit about, like, off-season training and, like, how there was times that he was, like, away a lot for his career and that it was a demanding career and they have two young kids. But you're right, they didn't, like, attend any games or anything. But I will say, this afternoon, I went to a baseball game. So <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I was doing some on-the-ground, uh, like, <laughs> preparation for this podcast. Preparation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the, and the people who drop by his room, Joe Dell, there's uh, Mac, Braden Mac, and, and Jan. And... And, and well, well, Max specifically, he's not like a friend per se. He's not even like, he, he, he's like this Nashville nightclub owner whom Gavin doesn't really like. It's established early on. They don't really like each other. It's kind of like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's very much a relationship where Max will just keep jabbing at him, just poking at him. And Gavin is just like, go away. Totally. Like, he's one of the players on the team that's, yeah, they're not super close with, but I'm assuming, and don't spoil me on this, but I'm assuming he'll have, like, a redemption book in the series, like... Well, <laughs> like, well, well he is, he's in the book, he's in the next book with Liv. Oh, no way, okay, that's what I thought, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, 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 okay. And, and, uh... Liv is giving Thea shit for dating Gavin, like, and you're going for Brayden Mac, like, is, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> and it's such an interesting thing to read that in the next book. It's like enemies and lovers, yeah. and there's also Me Too stuff going on in that book as well. That that book also deals with some heavy shit with the Me Too stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it, ha- yeah. it happens like between Liv and her boss, her boss being a creep. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's actually it's even mentioned here in the book. Her boss, like her boss, being a, a tyrant at work at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good world to like. It's a good universe to be yeah. in the bromance book club universe. Yes. And they would ask if Gavin had cheated because they're like, we don't help cheaters. Just to confirm that. And we also don't find out right away what happened with the whole situation. It's revealed more slowly. Right now, we just know Gavin apparently like he gave he, he gave Sia the cold shoulder for some reason, and then he got kicked out, and now he's here. And his friends revealed they're gonna take him to his first official meeting tomorrow night. And but they're like, and so we're like, hmm, what could this meeting be? Hmm. Well, we know already because obviously the premise. It's also funny when when Mac takes off the apple that Gavin was eating. And Mac is eating it. And that actually circles back around later. Do you remember this? When Mac, when, yeah. when, when Mac's niece gives, uh, is like, oh, you know, he wanted me to give you this apple. It was really funny. Yeah. Because Gavin's like, that's my apple. And he's, I was going to eat that. And he's like, well, you're not eating it now. And yeah, it's, it's fun, like team, team banter. Yeah. And uh, Gavin, and this book also has a stutter. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Because I feel like the stutter, yeah. it, it's like, it's it's something that he feels quite, he feels some shame around it. He feels like, and totally. he doesn't like opening up about it. And it even pointed out how Sia was like, didn't, like didn't care about it. She wasn't like taking notice of the stutter or like making him feel bad about it or pointing it out. And he appreciated that about her. I feel like it always meant to be because I feel like this whole stereotype of, like, the alpha males being, like, you know, being, like, perfect. And there's yes. nothing, that they, feel, nothing yeah. that they feel ashamed about. And I feel like this is, like, a little point of his character that, that he feels, you know, sh- shameful over. And he feels like he's trying to wrestle over, you know, over it. Yeah, 100%. I really liked it because we need more, you know, yeah, characters with stutters. Like, we need all different types of people in our... Uh, romance novels I think it was a little hard to read like I think if you were to listen to an audiobook it would be way easier just because when you're you know reading it in your head the stutter comes as just multiple letters right for each word so it's a little hard to like really capture that I feel like with reading I think through an audiobook it would come through a lot better but yeah I think again it's another play on like the suave professional athlete that like is confident and good in bed and like has all this money and like flaunt like I don't know it's just a very it's a more nuanced character um and probably more realistic than a lot of a I think sports romance novels because they're generally like suave billionaires they got to they got to Um, washboard abs exactly and like Gavin has all of that but he is yeah like a little bit like ashamed of his stutter and uh, Thea really she's obviously like a feminist and more progressive than some of the other wags which uh, stands for wives and girlfriends yes. which she points out we should have a more inclusive term for that yeah. but uh, some of the wags like at the end of the book 
kind of like comment on his stutter and yeah yeah and and she like she gets mad at them because like who would do that like that's so rude like yeah and like absolutely disgusting but yeah it is interesting because he just has like a lot of like self-esteem and confidence issues in himself I think that comes through with the orgasm thing that we'll talk about and then the stutter and you know those things stick with you even if you're you know at the top of your your game like professionally and stuff yeah uh, I think yeah I, I thought it was an interesting and an, an interesting little trope version to include in the book and it's not I feel like this might be the only the only example of a rom-com that includes a character that focuses on the stuttering I feel like this might be a only example it's, which isn't Yeah, it's the only book I've read that has a character that stutters, which again, that's why it was like a little bit hard for me to read like in my own head. But if you're listening to an audiobook, I think it would be a lot clearer and like, yeah, make more sense. I I can get that. I felt, although I will say, I feel like for myself, I I feel like it was probably, it was easier for me personally to just read it on the page. And I wonder if maybe I was just feeling it in my head with my own stutters because I also deal <laughs> right. I have I, I'm still dealing with a bit of a stutter at this point in life mm-hmm. and I'm and, and I'm trying to overcome that but so when I was reading Gavin's stutter it almost did hit me a bit too personally at times <laughs> yeah, but I was like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a bit too deep <laughs> in my heart yeah no I get that yeah. I get that yeah, yeah. And especially for the podcast, like, because I, when I'm, it makes the editing very annoying when I just hear my own stuttering and the podcast and I just have to be like, oh, got to clip this out when I just stutter multiple times. Yeah. But I think also it it shows that like really also in, in a good way that like people really, I think don't care or like, I I don't think Thea pitied him or like anything like that. Like they... Just like this is just like a part of him. This is, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, definitely. And then now we're going over to Sia's POV, and I love how we open up with her at home and taking a sledgehammer to the wall that separating the living room from the dining room. Just a great way to introduce her, and also introduced to the daughters uh, Amelia and Ava who are only three years old, by the way. And there were a lot of times where I was like, wait, they feel like they should be seven or eight years old. They act oh, a bit too mature for the age. 100%. Or at least, like, five. Like, they were being like, does dad's shoulder hurt? Is that why he's, like, still in the guest room? I'm like, a three-year-old is not saying that. Like, I have, a, like, a, a recently four-year-old uh, kid in my life, and, like, he's not you know, making those kind of, like, drawing those conclusions. Like, let me just say that. So, yeah, I totally agree. And, like, they were, like, eating at restaurants. And I'm, like, at three years old, like, you're not often taking kids, especially twins, I feel like, to restaurants or, like, a sit-down meal. Like, they're running all over the (laughs) place and, like, stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It was just weird. It was weird. But, yeah, they were cute nonetheless. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I like how I feel like you could differentiate between them too. Like a- like Ava, you know, they, they had their own, Ava and Emilia, they had their own parents that they would lean, you know, more towards. And... Right, because, and Ava, didn't Ava have a stutter? 
Eva, I think. Or was it Amelia? One of them that was more close with Gavin, I think, also had a stutter. Right, right. That just came out in random. I remember that. I remember that now. Yeah. In, like, times of stress, I think, when she was sick or whatever. Yes, yes. Like, 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 yeah. Because Gavin also, when he's stressed out, also, the stutter would become more. You're right. It comes out more when he was stressed out. Yeah, Yeah. Good point. And. Uh, Liv also introduced here. And we also have Butterball, the golden retriever of the family. Cute little Butterball. And, Very cute. And we get some info about Sia and Liv's uh, home life when they were kids, how their dad had repeatedly cheated on their mom, and this, motiv- and this is motivating Sia to not forgive Gavin so easily and put up with more of his crap. And also, their dad, we also learn that their dad is getting married for the fourth time to someone who is only 32, six years older than Sia. That's that specifically in the book. It was also, yeah. uh, it was also like, wow, married four times, okay, also repeated cheater, but also Sia is only 26. And I guess Gavin is also probably around that age range too. And it's like, wait, you've been married for three years and you have a kid already? literally so yeah they dated for three months and then she got pregnant with the twins and then they he proposed when she when she announced uh found out she was pregnant yeah Yeah. and then so they're literally like three months or three years three months into their relationship and i think the the thing that felt that made the issues a little bit more realistic is their age, I think, because yeah. as like a 31 year old, I was kind of like, guys, like get it together. Like, can't you see what's wrong? But then I'm like, maybe at 26, I wouldn't have known that. And Thea at one point in the book says like, you know, like I only dated two guys before you yes. and it wasn't that serious. And so I think I warmed up to their issues a little bit more because I was like, they're just learning how to be in a long-term relationship. But yeah, at some point I was like, Hey, can't you like, yeah, see how you are angry at your dad and you're like kind of displacing your anger or your intimate like on someone else. Like, because (laughs) This was, I think, the main... Sorry, I'm going to get into a little bit of a tangent yeah, here. Yeah. But like, I think my main problem with this book is, like, other than Gavin um, not being able to give Thea orgasms, did he really do anything else wrong? Because, like... And that's what I'm, like, trying trying to get at, like, when I was reading this book. Because I was, like, when he's parenting the kids... It seems like he's like a 50-50 parent. It's not like he was like a bad dad or a bad husband in any other way outside of their sex life. And she, I will say it does seem like she put her education and career on hold. But I think that's pretty common in immediately after you, you give birth birth to kids so I feel like yeah maybe she could have pursued her education and uh career earlier a little bit earlier than she had um that she was doing in the book but like in general I'm like it seems like you 
communicate on like a daily basis, like pretty well. And yeah, I like, I guess you neglected some of like date nights and stuff like that, but your kids are three. Like, I I don't know. I just thought I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Do, Do you think maybe I wasn't giving them a fair shake? I don't know because, okay. I feel like my take on it is that I think that so Gavin's whole thing about how he was, I feel like Gavin's whole thing was that he wasn't paying proper attention to Sia. And right. how right. And, and how her having a fake orgasms and him not paying enough attention to her in bed. I feel like that was more surface, it was like a surface level problem. And what was at the root of it was, as I just said, him not paying enough attention to her and him just kind of like ignoring her as a distance dwelling between them as he's pursuing his career. And she's not realizing, like, oh, she has dreams. Like, she wants to pursue art, but she's stuck at home. And then she has her own issues stemming from her dad and the unresolved feelings that she has about that whole situation. And her her not being able to to trust people, trust men specifically, if they tell her that they they love her. Okay, sorry, sorry. This is the part that I just, like, can't get over. But this is the thing. Okay, I think that Gavin is, like, a pretty reasonable guy. And obviously they're financially secure because he plays for the freaking MLB. So why wouldn't you be like, hey, Gavin, I would like to go back to school and pursue my art. Is it possible to hire a nanny? Like, Um, I don't like, I don't know. Like, because I feel like he would have been like, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. Like, it just didn't, it didn't seem like either of them were talking to each other. Well, that's the whole, that was the whole issue. I know, that's I feel like like it would be simple for her to be like, hey, can you hire a nanny? But it wasn't that simple because of her own issues, because of the, yeah, yeah. that's why I'm like, (laughs) I feel like, well, here's the thing, many moments throughout the book, I was just yelling at them. Go to therapy. <laughs> Literally, same. Literally. I think that that, I think that's my other big issue that I have with this book, if, if we're going to talk about it. But, like, is, like, I love the idea, again, of straight men specifically turning to romance novels to learn more about, like, dating and, and stuff like that. But I am a little bit tired. Like, this trope was kind of like, learn what women like. And it's like, we're not that different than men. And then the other piece was like, also, I I would rather, instead of, like, you reading a romance novel would be like the cherry on top of the cake. But the cake is you going to therapy. (laughs) Like, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's like... Yeah, like, it's like, okay, like, that's fun that you would read a romance novel. Again, I would really encourage straight men to hit that up. But, like, but like in addition to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough because I, so I'm, I'm speaking, again, from the perspective of a straight guy. And yeah. I, I, I feel like I have. I feel like my mind, honestly, has expanded, has expanded from reading romance novels. Same, same with mine. Same with mine, yeah, for sure. And just from from the perspective of someone who before, you know, pre-reading romance novels, I felt like I was okay before, and just being in terms of being socially socially aware. 
and yeah. associated with specifically in regards to women, women and how to treat women. I feel like reading romance novels did expand that just a bit more for, for me. Sure. And however, I would also say, don't take romance novels and follow them like word for word yes, because yes, at the end of the day, yes. they're not completely realistic. The one hundred percent. It's more like it's more like just take some basic tips, take some basic advice, and mesh it into your life in a fluid va- fashion. But again, don't take it word for word. Like, don't expect like literal a literal manifestation of the romance novel to happen in your life. And totally. also, and, and the therapy. Therapy would be, would be good too. I, I know I know <laughs> yeah. that in the future, I'll be going to some therapy myself to unpack some of my own <laughs> shit in the future. So I'm happy to do that. But uh, yeah. yeah, don't just don't just exclusively use the books. Therapy would be good too. And the books, you know, romance novels. 100%. Also, yeah. the good romance novels, because you can find some yeah. uh, you can find some bad novels out there. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and I think, like, the thing that I was, yeah, I guess getting annoyed with was, you're right, because it's, like, the thing that you would get from, like, a romance novel is, like, oh, listen, pay attention, like, care about your partner like and that just like why is that asking a lot like I don't know like anyways okay let's get let's get back to the let's get back to the book but like seriously I could like talk about for some, for some men it is asking a lot honestly I know I know I know I know you're right you're right uh, so yeah I like when Liv when Liv takes Gavin's precious back from his state high school championship and whacks at the wall that was kind of a, a fun a fun Liv moment and, you know, totally. You know, even if I don't like other parts of a character. Totally, and the music. Whenever she would, she like kept putting on that yeah was, different. That songs. was a fun. That was yeah. a fun running gag as well. Even like at this moment, yeah. it says the speakers blared an angry Taylor Swift song about burning pictures. Yeah, picture to burn. It's a classic. <gasps> and then Gavin arrives, and he tries to get the back right here. Really tries to woo her back, but she's had enough of it of him not listening to her, and and she, and he's really trying to flee, and then he even goes so far as to kiss her, and it's romantic for just a moment, but then she pulled back, and and this is yeah, and this is this is a move that uh, th- that Del really criticizes him for afterwards. And it's because he, he specifically told him, don't go see Sia. And he, of course, so of course, he's mad at him for kissing her without permission. And he's like, you don't do that. Like a sneak attack kiss. Yeah, it's bad. I feel like, obviously, you need consent, especially if, you know, you're reading the cues and your partner's mad at you. You should really check in before you yeah. you do something crazy like that. Um, but I also see Gavin's side, not that I, I think he's in the wrong here, obviously, but like, I do get feeling so desperate that you like want to physically connect with this person, but you really shouldn't like, you really need not at to. This moment. Exactly. Like, like I get having that feeling, but you tamp it down and you pause, yeah. you don't move forward. Yeah. yeah. And oh, also by the way, Ava was cl- climbing into bed. Was cl- was the one climbing into bed with Sia, and apparently mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, ever since Gavin left. And there's even a point where it's like, right. had she heard Sia sneak into the bathroom last night? 
She didn't want to go to ever hear her cry. Yeah. And then Del brings Gavin to Max's place, where all the guys are meeting in the basement. This is one the house of phrase that was used in the back cover, where they're like, you know, first rule of book club, and they're like, you don't talk about book club. It's really funny. Yeah. Like that this part is like really it's really smart of the author. It's really witty and it's it's cute. It sucked me yes, in. Yes, yes. Now they're explaining the club here, although it's not officially called the romance book club until later on, like right at the end of the book. But for now it's just a club. And they're currently reading according to Countess, the Regency Romance, and they refer to romance books as manuals to learn about women and dating. And according to Countess, by the way, it's going to be turned into a real book. Lisa K. Adams is, like, is writing it. Love it. I love when they make like a CD or a book or a poem or like whatever in the, you know, movie or whatever. In the universe. Yeah, it'll come out. that's cool. It'll come out actually yeah, later this year. And we even get a few chapters, a few chapters from this yeah. following, you know, Lord Benedict and Countess Irina sprinkled throughout the, the novel. Yeah, again, loved it. Thought it was super creative and, and super fun. Yes. I, I, I like that too. I just, you know, the whole trope of, you know, a book within a book. I like it sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I don't like it. I feel like this is one of the cases where I, I, it, it appeals to me. It, it's what you It worked. It worked. And um, again, it, it it's really creative. I like when authors are creative in this way. Yes, yes. And they also use the book boner rating to describe mm-hmm. how like how spicy a book is. Yeah. And, Even though I hate the scale that they're using. Yeah. I think that this is really funny because I again I think that the male population and NB folks are like are missing out on romance. Like it's so geared towards women and yeah. and that yeah is great in a lot of ways. But I don't know if you are on book talk, but uh, I'm on book talk. Like, I'm on book talk sometimes. Yes, you're creating the you're creating content for book talk. But um, hockey book talk right now is blowing up, at yeah. least on my for you page. And I've been seeing a lot of hockey players reading pucking around. Oh, and their faces, like, like, ex- <laughs> like, like, definitely the explicit, like, sex scenes and stuff like that. And their faces when they're reading it, they're like, oh my God. And I think that they're intrigued. And I'm like, yeah, this it should be for everybody. But I think, you know, it's so easily, you know, just kind of shooed like away as, like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because, well, because, like, because it is geared specifically <laughs> towards women. And there's even, a, yeah. there's even like a, a part where they talk about the pumpkin spice latte in this book and how they're like, oh, yeah. anything that's marketed towards women is automatically dismissed. And the sexism that's inherent in that. Yes. Uh, yes. Thanks for wording that for me. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. And, so, and, and Gavin asks, why, why, why is Mac even here? And Mac just proudly says that he's here for the dirty parts. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> and according to Countess, I should also note, is a second chance romance as well. Well, like, well, second, uh, is it what, is it more second chance romance or enemies to lovers? 
Well, well yeah, enemies love it on point. one side because Benedict is into it, but Irina is not. Yeah, like, he's, not he's not. He's not an enemy. She's not up for being set up with him in this Regency romance. Yeah. I guess it's a little bit of a second chance because they do get married before they fall in love or before Irina falls in love, at least. So would that, oh, well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be then marriage of convenience? Yeah, yeah. Because, because yeah, like, second chance romance is, I thought second chance romance is when you get together, you're in love. And then they break, then up, break up and then get together. And then get back together. Yeah. This is, yeah. This yeah. Is, this is why, do I, why do you keep thinking of second chance romance recording the Countess? It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, mar- maybe marriage of convenience and obviously regency. Regency, yes, yes. And then Thea, then and then this is when we get the flashback with Thea, where the Grand Slam when Gavin has his Grand Slam and Thea, Thea, Thea didn't even want to go to the game originally, but she went there to support him. And then he has a Grand Slam, and afterwards they have the steamy sex that they that hasn't been this powerful in a while, and. Gavin is confused after she comes and and asks her, "Wait, have you been faking it the whole actually, the whole time?" This is actually ruining my life. Like, I'm actually dead. I like, I just just because it was so um alarming reading reading this this part because. <laughs> like, he's like what's going on what's going on and she's like what are you talking about and then yeah so he's like <laughs> he inquires like what's happening for you and she's like i just had an orgasm and then and then he's like what do you mean because you don't usually do that yeah. <laughs> well, something's different, then, something's different yeah. this time yeah yeah but do you think it was like his confidence after the grand slam that they were just like going for it I- like, do you think that that think, was the difference? I think it's a difference, yeah, in this situation, yes, for both of them. It's the energy, kind of like the excitement of, yes, yeah. we got the grand slam. It's for him and for her. Because she was buzzed, too. Like, yeah. she was even, like, she was hugging him in the game, and she was ex- all, all excited for him. Yeah, buzzed on champagne, she said. Yeah. That's both yeah. of them. But she has been faking the big O ever since she had kids. So she just left the room. And that's when he started giving us cold shoulder. He went into the guest room, and then obviously after that, eventually, she kicked him out. Yeah. Okay. This is. <laughs> I feel like so bad, but I think that this is like another part that I'm like, I get faking an orgasm out of convenience, and I think sometimes it happens, and you don't want to make your partner feel bad, and I think like especially like in like a one night stand or whatever, when you might not see the person again, you're like, if, if it's not happening, like, I feel like it's, you know, a guiltless way to just move on with things. But so again, no shame in the occasional fake out, but I was like, girl, for three years with your husband, I was like, I feel like, yeah, like sometimes, okay. Cause like, I also get in my real life, I do some like consent education and uh, stuff like that at a university. And like, there are so many reasons why people might fake something due to like power dynamics, gender roles, how they were raised, like their, their views on sex, just like a million reasons why either they can't orgasm or, or fake it. And I, and like all of those are super, super valid. 
And there's many reasons why people don't speak up to say something. But I will say, okay, like A, obviously ask your partner. Like you should be asking. So that's Gavin's bad. Like you should be talking about it more and asking more and stuff like that and using words to describe what they like or like is this doing it for you like checking whatever you're doing I don't think he was going down on her before no it didn't I don't know it yeah that's a good point I I think it was just like it was getting routine it was getting routine like missionary sex but I, I feel like also there is some type of obligation for you to take your own sex life into your hands and be like okay like we've known each other for three years like You've seen me give give birth to twins. Like I would hope to God that you would be able you would be able to be like, and I know that it's so hard. It's so fucking hard. But like I do think like there is a point where even if you have to like write it down or practice it beforehand or something like that, or literally text it to your partner, like if if you cannot physically verbalize it. But, like, to be like, hey, can we try a different location or position or a toy or, like, something like that? Like, I just feel like they're – so I think I think they're, like, not maybe 50-50 guilty, but, like, I do think that there is a little bit of onus on both of them. I mean, you're saying this about a couple, about a couple people who, as I said before – I do need some therapy and have some miscommunication yeah. issues. I feel like that's always going to be the answer I'll come up with. If you, when you're, when you're, when you're pointing out these issues, it's like, well, <laughs> the, the whole issue about talking clearly to each other is the main problem. No, I know, I know, and that, I, and, know and, I know, I know. And that can be frustrating. I know that's that's the whole core of the relationship. It's so frustrating. And that's why I was frustrated with this bug. But yeah, I was just kind of like, man oh man like you've been through a lot with this person like I don't know I I feel like I don't know you just sometimes have, even if you have to have a glass of wine before you say it something like, to loosen you up like, <laughs> something but like I also just feel like if you know that your partner is like respectful that like they would at least listen to you with you know but anyways, anyways, yeah. let's let's get back to the book. <laughs> I, I guess what you're talking about, though. I, I can understand your your your, your viewpoints. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and Gavin is back in his hotel room when Max drops by and Zelda's there too. And Max is the one who brings some pumpkin spice latte. And this is where we have that moment where Gavin is hesitant initially, but then loves it. And he's like, "No wonder women drink this shit." And Zelda is a fan yeah. of them too. And, and, you know, they start to talk about the pumpkin spice latte. And Mac, and Mac says, don't be ashamed for liking them. The backlash against the PSL is a perfect example of how toxic masculinity permeates even the most mundane things in life. If masses of women like something, our society automatically begins to mock them. Just like romance novels. If women like them, they must be a joke, right? Couldn't have said it better myself. But And you're right. Actually, this is a perfect example of why he probably couldn't have this conversation with his wife if he is so wrapped up in masculinity that you cannot enjoy a pumpkin-flavored coffee. <laughs> like, like, okay, yeah, maybe that's why you're having issues in your yeah. marriage. Like, like and it's a, real, it's, a, it's a real thing too. Like I remember when I first read this book, it's real. I did have a double check yeah. and be like, "Wait, is this a thing?" And I looked up and I was like, "Oh, okay, 
I guess it is. Every, every yeah. Stigma. No, 100%. I totally think it's real. Like, have you, like, it's like when men go to bars and order a beer when you could have like a fruity cocktail. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, huh. like, yeah, but it's just like, okay, yeah. If, if that's what you're still hung up on, maybe that's why yeah. <laughs> you're having these communication issues. Then Mac and Dell take their own turns at practicing flirting with Gavin in order to help him learn how to flirt <laughs> with Sia. And I love when Gavin says, I feel obligated to tell you that I might be mildly aroused right now. That was really funny. I think I laughed at that. Yeah. yeah. This is funny. Super awkward, um, but really funny. And I thought that Gavin in the next scene or whatever was good at flirting so yeah the next scene yeah. the next scene is at, yeah. the, is at the school musical yeah. where yeah. He, he and Sia go there and he flirts and, and he flirts with Sia and like st- stares at her throughout the musical even there's, even there's even a point where he winks at her yeah and yeah yeah and she keeps just being like what are you doing <gasps> Um, and yeah, it's also a, just like a good reminder that like, even if you're, when you're in a long-term relationship, like you have to, you know, keep up the flirting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And even when he says things like he wouldn't mind sharing a purr, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. <laughs> and Oh my God. I'm, oh my God. It's so funny. And this is also when there's a, a moment focusing on the stutter because there's a fan of Gavin's who runs into him and is also like talking shit about the umpire for the loss of Gavin's last game and also blaming Dell, which throws off Gavin and makes him stutter. And the fan mm-hmm. gets embarrassed by the stutter, which pisses off Sia. And so, and he focuses a bit on that. And Gavin, and she, and, she, and I, I, I like the little moment when she squeezes his hand to calm him down, you know, to soothe him. And Gavin says that was yeah. his best friend. Yeah, I'm like, the, you obviously love and care about each other. And she's like, will you pay off the house when, you, when we get a divorce? But like, yeah, so whatever. <laughs> and, and then after the, after the musical, we learned we learned that Asia is planning to go to Vanderbilt because she's, wait, she's waiting, she's going to She's waiting to get her letter of recommendation from the principal. And Gavin doesn't use the smoothest wording here in his attempt to try to be like, to understand Sia going back to school and trying to support her. And he's like, you know, I'm not saying you can't. And he also says, can you just take it down a notch? Faces that, you know, we're not the smoothest ways to talk about the subject. Definitely pisses off Sia. 100%. I think he was like a little bit thrown off because it was like, oh, we've only been like, you know, separated for, like, a few weeks, and you have, like, pretty big plans, but the way that he was talking was really bad, and again, it just shows you that, like, when you get heated and you say stuff that you, like, you're not thinking about what you're saying or how you're saying it, and it's, it's really hurtful. Yeah, definitely, and then Gavin suggests they go to this diner, Stella's, in front of the kids, who are all pumped up and agree. And now Sia is mad because, like, she's forced to go along with the trip because the kids are all excited. Yeah. And then Amelia says that Ava has been sleeping with Sia. 
because he's afraid of the dark. And Gavin is like, wait, when did that happen to Ava? He, he's afraid of losing the, the daughter and the uh for sure yeah and like he speaks a little bit about this in the end of the book too but just like with his career he's missed a lot of like the kids firsts and things like about them and stuff like that which i thought was really sad yes yes and as a dino the dino is there's some uncomfortable stuff happening here like because because ava is acting on solon here and she does sympathize with her like it's frustrated but also sympathizes her because she and Liv had to put up with their own crap as kids with their parents and she is also talking about pursuing an art career oh and then this is that's like there's a, there's a story here where we learned that Sia's mom had locked herself in her room for for a few days, and then when Sia was n- knocked on the door because she was hungry, her mother yelled at her to grow up and to stop being so selfish. Sia had been ten at that time, so she and Liv yeah. learned, had to learn for, to cook for themselves after that. Yeah, and it's like so both the parents yeah, were yeah. not they're not great parents, both of them, the mom and dad. No, no, that's like deep, deep, severe child neglect slash childhood trauma that she for sure needs to you know seek therapy for and and it it, you're right that it does show up in her actions now of being such a fierce and um dedicated and involved parent i would say for Liv as well i i i still think i i I wish Liv her characterization her characterization could have been better handled but i can also see how this trauma from the childhood would also make Liv so quick to take that at Gavin. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then Amelia gets upset. And the, the moment when she screams, you don't come home anymore about her dad. Just In front of the server. And, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. to the whole restaurant. Like, the whole restaurant. Yeah, to the whole restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so uncomfortable. What are, one of the darker moments in this book, as, like, as, totally. as generally light as it is. Totally. And like, he's a public figure, obviously. And I think that like, you could just be like, oh, you know, kids say the darndest things. <laughs> like, and, it's, it looks bad. Yeah, because and, and, the, and Amelia is crying. And she's like, because she wants she wants uh, Gavin to read to them. And she's like, yeah. but I want tonight. And and then, and then Ava was like, I don't want daddy to play baseball. And Amelia was like, I don't want daddy to play baseball either. And everyone was like, because it makes them go away, and you guys say mad words at each other. Yeah, yeah. Again, I don't think a three year old saying that, but the the gist is is all valid. Yes, yes. and <laughs> it was also sad, but also funny when Ava was like, "You made fighting noises," and then said mad words after after yeah. the game. And it was and it was yeah. like, oh, so they were able to hear the parents having sex and then fighting. <laughs> the fighting noise. Yeah. Not a good look for both of them. <laughs> oh. <gasps> so so then she yeah, was like, okay, Gavin can come home and read to you. And so after that, at night, then this is when we have the whole deal that Gavin makes up to show how much he loves Zia and he's like so basically he's gonna he's gonna you know try to show his love for her if he fails to pay off the house for her and the kids and pay for the shower support and you know won't try to woo her back 
but Xia has some conditions for this deal. He has to stay in the guest room, the deal will end at Christmas, and Liv has to stay in the house. Yeah, that's fair. That's the the whole deal. And also, I thought it was cute when Gavin was uh, pointed out, like, you know, he likes seeing Sia in the minor league sweatshirt that she had claimed from him. And because she had won it when he had learned she was pregnant. So it holds up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was very cute. And so now he's determined to win her back. He's going to be coming home soon. But then Liv, Liv is pissed off about this plan. She even says that Sia is acting just like, you know, is, is acting just like the mom. But Sia defends against that and says she's doing it, she's, she's doing this, you know, for the kids. Yeah, and, like, I get, um, you know, like, when you see a loved one or a friend going through tough relationship things and you, you know, want to support them and... Sometimes that that's gently pointing out like something that you're seeing that you don't like, but I don't think that Theo was doing anything unreasonable. Like she set her boundaries, like of him sleeping in the guest room and yeah. stuff. Like I, I think that was like a fair way to mend it. Like, I don't think that, I think that this is again, <laughs> the thing that I don't like about this book is like, you don't throw away a marriage when you have one blow up fight. And I get that there was underlying issues, but you didn't even give, you had the blow up fight and you, and like they finally said, like Thea said, you're not paying attention to me. He said, you've been lying to me this whole time, but they didn't give. And then they, then they separated. Like they didn't give it like, okay, I'm going to pay more attention to you. And like, let's get you back in school and stuff like that. And She's like, okay, I will stop, like, faking it. We can, like, work on that. Like, they didn't do that. Yeah, they just said bye. They're not for sure like that. They're not for sure like I know, that. I know, I know, I know. But then then when Liv, when she's like, yeah, he's going to be in the guest room, Liv's like, how dare you? And it's like, yeah. no, I, I think you should, you could give him, you know, six months or, like, a year to freaking try to like now that you've aired your grievances well the time limit give this person time to change. The time limit was not that long though again it was like christmas i know condition. i know and, yeah and, and yeah this is like and this deal is made right before thanksgiving so just, thanksgiving just a month. yes and like i know and like i was thinking also i was like okay so that's american thanksgiving so that's in november and then christmas so i was like this is like what like six weeks or whatever i was like this is quick like i i wouldn't give i wouldn't give a partner six weeks i would give them like six months to a year like to make to make really concerted real change like six weeks is not gonna do it but whatever this is a fake book so (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) and then gaff is meeting with his guys, you know, Dell, Mac, Malcolm, Malcolm is also one of the guys, and Jan at his diner, and they're employing to him the importance of backstory. She has backstory specifically. And this comes up later too. You know, gotta learn about the backstory. Le- unpack whatever material is hanging in her history. And they, because, because they know, they're aware of, the, of how bad her childhood is. And this is when we learn how. Sia and her sister and, and Liv had to live with her grandma for a few years because 
neither yeah. parent wanted to take care of them. Which is, again, more... more very serious. Yeah, more very, trauma. very serious. And I just want to say also, yeah, maybe this is Gavin's fault. Like, it's like, you didn't know that? <laughs> like, that didn't come up? Like, oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, it's very, very important to know you're right, like, and the author's right, The your partner's backstory, because sometimes you can have arguments. I thought Gavin did, though. I think, but, like, not to this extent, right? He knows more. I Maybe he knows more than I think. He's the, he's the one explaining to the other guys. and the, To um, them. Um, no, you're crazy. right. You're right. You're right. Yes, and that's important, because then, but then why doesn't he rationalize I feel like why this is so bad on Thea for Thea. Uh, I think I thought he was a bit. I thought he was. Like, I thought he was yeah. trying to maybe this is when the wheels are turning. Head. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, okay, but, but his friends, his friends were in the scene. They were like, well, of course, she is acting this way because her father, right. her father didn't show any love, neither did her mom. Now she's skittish. Like I said before, around people telling her do they love her. And, and, right, and they, because those they yes, suggest, they, yes, the world they yeah, suggest maybe her kicking him out of the test, and he left, so he failed because he left so easily. One hundred percent, because she is so hooked on. She's like, "Well, you left," and he's like, "Well, you asked me to," and like that's bad. That's for sure bad. Like, don't put tests on your partner. But yeah. um, but you're right though. Like when when she hears I love you from Gavin, if there's no, you know, behaviors and actions that are backing that up, then it's very easy to not believe it. Yes. And and even Gavin has his moment of realization because he's been reading through uh courting the countess and there's like this passage in it and makes him realize like, oh, Sia feel it's Sia feels like she's changed into her own version of less than, of being less than herself because she's been uh, trapped in this lifestyle and hasn't, again, pursued her dreams and go to school. Yes, and I think one of the most poignant parts of this book was like, I proposed to you when you just found out you were pregnant and were stressed, and I probably shouldn't have done that. And I was like, damn ain't that the truth like that was one of the most like poignant things i think that he like finally comes to the realization too like yeah and thanksgiving is coming up gavin assumes that they're going to dell's place for thanksgiving which isn't what shia has planned and she strongly implies to him she isn't close with his friend group and the wags except for nessa who is married to dell which I like, I, I like the little dynamic, uh, Dal and Nessa. I thought, I thought they, were, they were cute together in the moments they popped up. Super cute. And Nessa seems like a really good friend. And Dal, obviously, yeah. to Gavin and Thea. But yeah, this is, again, just shows like their bad communication because Gavin's like, oh, I just assumed we did this last exactly. year. And the girls liked it. And then she's like, well, I just assumed we'd want to be at home. <laughs> But it was really funny when she was like, you just assumed we would go to Dell's. And he's like, well, you just assumed we would eat fresh turkey at our house. Yeah. Like, I think I was like actually laughing. Yeah. And oh, this is also there's a moment where we learned that Gia and Liv, uh, they apparently spent one Thanksgiving just eating TV dinners because her mom has been passive aggressive by refusing to cook a meal to punish their dad. 
Yeah. So, and and there's, a, there's a quote that goes, her parents never actually fought. They preferred the tense prison of silence. Which is like... Yeah. <laughs> also, I can see where Liv gets a passive aggressiveness from. I literally, like, again, please go to therapy, Liv. Like, (laughs) please go to therapy, Thea, because you could be amazing. They are amazing women, but, like, yeah, just you you could sort out some of the stuff. Unpack this crap. Absolutely. And then Gavin introduces some conditions of his own. They gotta attend the team Christmas party. They go on a date every week. And then they kiss goodnight every night. And he introduces these conditions when he walks into a room while she's like stripping down to brown panties. And so that was just yeah. amusing little moments. And and Thea is against this initially, but she is again trying to trying to woo her and he and, and kiss her and then says he'll make things perfect, which disturbs her because she's like, no, perfection is impossible, and she puts them away. Which I think is totally fair. He was obviously looking at, you know, their courtship and stuff through rose-colored lenses. And there is no such thing as a perfect relationship. And he's trying to pick up lessons from quoting the Countess. And he even, like, uses a few quotes. He even even copies a few of the quotes, too. Yes, yeah. He's like, uh, when he... when he's like, you left me, you know, you left me a few options, Dia. Your conditions would have made, made it impossible for me to win. And she's like, win? Is this a game to you? And she says, a game? No. A competition? Yes. Yeah, and then she's like, well, what do you win? And he's like, the greatest prize of all you, or whatever. <laughs> and like, yeah. like, okay, so I think his conditions are smart. I think if you are needing to work on your intimacy. I think having rules like one date night where you get private time with no kids and making, you know, the norm, because rule kind of sounds like strict, but the norm that you kiss each other before bedtime, I think that's great because those things can just so easily after time stop happening and you almost don't notice till it's too late, which I think is what happened here. But Okay, I wanted to ask you this. When I was reading the book, I was thinking, I was like, what? I wonder what Arthur thinks about this. But like, so he, yeah, quotes some of the book. Do you, like, are you upset? Like, she gets really upset. Like, are you upset with this? Are you, do you like, like, do you think it's okay? Or like, how did you feel about it? Okay, so personally, I... So, and when this, when the other guys find out find out about this, they don't scold him. They're like, no, you're not supposed to quote the book exactly. I'm yeah. like that. I'm like, don't 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 just like steal exact quotes. However, I'm not as mad at him as Sia was because I'm also understanding that he's trying that he's he's being clumsy. He's he's bumbling his way through this. And again, they're both yes. they're both immature, so they're not gonna make the smartest decisions. <laughs> and for his part. He's not making a smartest decision here, but I can understand why he, like, he's trying to pick up these lessons and trying to learn how to properly uh, love Sia, pay attention to her. And so, honestly, him taking the, just stealing the quotes, unfortunately, makes a lot of sense. I can definitely see him doing that. And I don't, and we'll get to that part later on, but I feel like Sia, I feel like it was contrived for her to get so mad at him for that. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, should you be quoting Regency, you know, 
romance novels. Like, no, that's like so cheesy and stuff like that. And, but I do think like when you are learning something, a lot of times people will say like when you're learning music, for example, you're not learning by writing your own thing. You are learning like a piano, like song composition or whatever, like from someone else copying it verbatim. I totally think if you're like finding your groove and it's not like he was like reciting paragraphs of paragraphs. He was just like throwing in the odd line. So I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal either. Like, and when you're getting your, your training wheels off, like then you can, yeah, like start to up, create your own come up with your own, yeah. with your own quotes. And, 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 yeah. it, and because it also became, it's not like he was making that much of an effort of trying to steal the quotes because it almost just became in, ingrained into his brain to the point where he had this <laughs> aristocrat voice just popping up in his head yeah. and calling him yeah. and calling him bad names. And when I say bad names, I mean like, what was it like worm wanker or something like that or like yeah 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 something funny yeah lord something something lord next a lot yeah 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 but also like haven't you read a book or watched a movie and it's like the the actors are british or like it's in another language or something and you pick up some of their like wording like again i don't yeah. think it's That's like sometimes, you know it's, yeah, your like, brain absorbs it i don't think i feel like yeah. i feel like Sia and Liv, they're like, oh, this is malicious. This is, you're, 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 you're being fake. You're not portraying your love authentically. And it's like, yeah. Uh, oh no. And like, it, it, I feel like a lot of times, even if you don't think you're copying, it's something you've seen in a movie or heard in a song or, or whatever, anyways. Yeah. So, whatever. We'll bring that up. Yeah, that'll, on, that'll so. come back up again. Then the next morning, Sia wakes up and realizes Gavin is taking a shower in her bathroom. And she is so mad about this. She's like, no, no, I can't have this. But she, she tries to rush out too fast, stubs her toe, and now Gavin strides out. And post-shower towels form his, like, his muscled body, glistening with some water droplets that he hasn't fully dried off. And she accuses him yeah. of, attemp- of tempting her on purpose. And he's acting all coy about it. And... and- yeah. And then he shaves, he's like shaving the whiskers under his jawline and just infuriates Sia because she's so tempted by it. So, so yeah. she retaliates by trying to tempt him, like taking off her clothes and, and, he, and then he just winks at her, which turns her on. And then she's like, she goes to hop in the shower and then he hops in the shower with her. And it's like, they're trying to out, they're trying to out turn on each other. I know, I know. And I was like, shouldn't you be happy that you are, like, attracted to your husband and that, like, isn't this what you wanted, like, to be, like, because I was thinking, like, I was like, you wanted excitement, you're excited, you could have had shower sex and you probably would have orgasmed. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't like it didn't, isn't that what you want? Like, I I don't know. I was just, I was so confused by this. Yes. It, it was one of those things that, like, again, this would only happen in a romance yeah. novel. No one is doing this IRL. True, true. <laughs> but, and, 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 and this fictional story, again, to amateur. Um, yeah. To the point, to yeah. the point where, where she says that she's a big girl and she knows how to take care of herself, just bothers Gavin and pushes him away. 
And then afterwards, yeah. he asks her if she masturbates after they have sex because he fails to get her off. And she says, yes, yeah, sometimes. And he's really upset. And I think it's fair to be upset, but take it as like kind of like learning versus like like shutting you down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they have the problems. And, and, he, and he also says that he masturbates to her, to the thought of her. But she doesn't say that. She just says she masturbates in general. So it makes you wonder, like, wait, does, yeah. she, does she not masturbate to him? To the thought of him? Yeah. And even if she doesn't, like, whatever. Like, it, I think that's normal. I just, like, yeah, it was kind of annoying that he was mad at her for that. I was like, I well, I don't think she's doing anything wrong. Well, yeah, think- Except for maybe not being honest. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> they have the issues. So many issues. But afterwards, he does apologize to her. Thank God. And, and then she says, you should never be sorry for speaking your truth. So just have a bit of a moment of trying to make up to each other, even if it's a little bit, admitting that, you know, maybe there's just a tad in the wrong here. Liv assures Gavin she'll poison his protein powder if he hurts Gia. Mm-hmm. And then Gavin's brother, Sebastian, we get a little bit role from him, from him. He calls in to let him know how upset their parents are, especially their mom, about Gavin not coming home for Thanksgiving. And so because now Sebastian had to come over to their parents' place to spend the holiday with them. And Gavin's parents love Thea. And just a nice to hear about their parents having such a, you know, a loving relationship. Although we, did, we, we, we learned later on, like, they did fight. It's not like this whole perfect yeah. lens that Gavin has of his parents. Like, oh, they never fought. Which is like, also, Gavin, did you really think that your whole life, that they never fought? Oh my god, his head was in the freaking clouds this whole time. But I, I think that that is sometimes the case for guys, too. Like, if you're so shut off from emotions, sometimes you probably just, you know, yeah. look at look at things kind of through that lens. And then Gavin, Sia, and her kids head up to Dell at Nessa's place for Thanksgiving. And, and this is this is when, well, we have at the dinner Braden Mac flirting with Thea and kissing her hand. And unfortunately, Gavin witnesses this behavior. And he's pissed about this. Also pissed to find out that apparently Mac acts this way with everyone's wives. And it's like, oh, he doesn't mean anything by it. And Gavin goes on to punch Mac. Ugh, yeah. And- Gavin, I'm trying to defend you. This was one of the, maybe the scenes I found to be the cringiest in the book. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I know. I'm like trying to root for Gavin here and he's like using physical violence. Like that's a no from me, dog. But like, I will say like he was standing up against a guy that is clearly flirting with women that aren't interested, which is, I think you know, an abuse of power and skeezy. So, like, I'm glad that he stood up for that, but the way that he did it, I I don't think was great. It was not, um, it was not mature because, and... It was not mature, but he's not mature. <laughs> and the other guys, like, the other guys do call Gavin out on this as well. Like, they don't, they don't let him off with this one. They yeah. push... Yeah, because I I guess that again I get I get to Gavin is supposed to be immature here, but I feel like this I feel like this specific scene 
I don't know. I would have cut this out if, if possible, just because I feel like it puts them both in a bad light, both Gavin and Mac, and like, and like Mac, why is Mac especially acting like this? Because he knows the whole plan. The whole plan is to try to get Gavin and Sia back together. So why would he flirt with Sia? It was just such a strange action from the take. And I get that. I get that he's supposed to be a player. Is he supposed? Yeah. Is he? Is he supposed to be a womanizer? I I can't tell because he does. He he's part of a club. He like he he talks to talk and he walks to walk. So it's like it's weird. Uh, just wait. He owns a club, and so he's not a player. He, oh, so he's not a player. He's not, he's not like part of the team. So oh, okay. this, this whole club is made up. It's not just baseball players. It's made up of like I think you have right. like uh, politicians yes. and yeah. you know the Mac as a nightclub owner. Just generally alpha yeah. men across Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the only player it's, is Dell. Dell does Dell Jan. Does uh does Gavin? Uh, is yeah. that, is, I, I think I forget if Malcolm is Malcolm is Malcolm one of part of the national yeah legend? maybe Malcolm the Russian the Russian yes the Russian who yeah by the way the Russian whose name is Vlad by the way but we spoke of first him so long as the Russian he's a comedic side relief character the first one yeah. who has the digestive problems yeah yeah that was really funny um but yeah i agree with you she should have cut this scene i like it was just yeah like it wasn't necessary like at no. all because neither gavin nor um mac look good no, no. and gavin calls himself a slimy bellied worm wanker and the scene that's why that's why mm. that's why i remember earlier yeah worm wanker yeah yeah and and then even even when even in the basement when gavin is having to confer with the other guys max sort of apologizes but also keeps calling sia hot and it's like tone it down like don't you let this know i know and yeah it's like this is also locker room talk like yeah it's it's strange no and then Malcolm says here, Gavin needs to court you, not seduce her. And the difference is to make her want you, not prove how much you want her. Good lesson. Then we're also introduced to Rachel and her husband, Jake. And Rachel is one, one of the wags, a former model, also described as an arch nemesis to all nonconformers. Um, yes. She is passive aggressive on her own, too. Plenty of that going on. Absolutely. At dinner, Nessa announces that she's pregnant, and she's actually had two miscarriages in the past. And then Rachel, at dinner, takes an opportunity to take a jab at Sia and Gavin's marriage at his dinner, which was really shitty. Did not appreciate that. And they're talking about Sia. I definitely think that this is, like, very classic... I don't know. I feel like this is the vibe I get when I watch. Like, I used to watch a TV show called Wags. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and this is, like, the vibe that I get. Just, like, very, like, high competition, nosy, because, and, like, kind of all in everyone's business because you're on the road with these people. And when you're, your guy is out playing, like, you're, you become good friends with the, the wives and girlfriends of athletes, yeah. and hence why it's called WAGS, and I actually think that this is, like, realistic, yeah. but, yeah. like, obviously really awful, like, oh, yeah. don't, don't ever poke, 
fun or inquire about someone's marriage, especially if you know it's like kind of on. And the she rise. also takes it out at Sia specifically for like for quitting college and having to take care of the family. Yeah. And even and even Sia does does turn it back around back around on Rachel, who she was like, you know, I she didn't go to law school. She gave it up for Jake's career. And mm-hmm. and Jake is uncomfortable during this whole scene too. As mm-hmm. you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I would be uncomfortable too. And and then also the wags term, you know, Sia suggests getting rid of that term. And she's like, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. as we said before, like what if a woman with a male partner makes it to the majors? Or what about gay men or you know, or queer men? And racial, but racial is just against the change. Of course she is. <laughs> Of course, she's like a, she seems like like a Republican Barbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she has suggests spouses and partners, and Rachel is against that. She's like, you know, that would make a saps. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, saps isn't good. Wags isn't much better, though, but like, we could come up with something. Yeah, <laughs> something better something. than saps. Yeah. <laughs> And then Gavin and Sia go home, and the kids, Ava throws up first, then Amelia throws up, because they ate too much food at dinner. So Gavin and Sia have to clean everything up, clean up all the vomit. And they argue a bit, they argue over, like, where, where is the damn linen towel stored? Yeah, but they figure it they out. They figure it out, and it, it was a heartfelt moment when Gavin was tucking Ava into bed. That was, that was nice. And... Mm-hmm. And uh, or even like you know the best thermometer is a mother's hand. That was mm-hmm. a sweet little moment. And then afterwards, Gavin takes out Butterball to his baseball field and calls his dad, tells him about the marriage problems, but not the fake orgasm stuff. Just keeps that out of out of, <laughs> yeah, out of the situation. Okay, yeah. but also though, how cool would it be to like maybe? Yeah, I know it's your parent, but like to be o- more open about this stuff. Like that I don't know. Nice, it, it just. Yeah, that was yeah, nice, but, but uh, yeah, with with the problems that Gavin is having, just opening up for certain yeah, things. Yeah, what am know. I expecting? Yeah, and this is when we learned about, as I said, for Gavin and Mom fighting plenty, but they just did a really good job at hiding it from the kids, from from the two brothers. Props to them because parents fighting in front of the kids definitely has a big impact on the children. Absolutely. Yeah. And the dad is praising Sia and being like, you know, she, and talking especially about how she didn't, she didn't ignore your stutter, you know, she didn't pretend it didn't exist, you know, all you, you know, she just accepted you for you, loved you for you. And Gavin, after I, like when he gives Sia a little peck when he comes home, nothing too steamy, just a little kiss before going back to his room. So the next morning, Gavin is taking care of the kids, making pancakes for them. Sia is appreciating how much time he carves out for the kids, you know, even as he travels a lot with him. I think yes, we said that before. Uh, thank you, Sia. Yeah. Think, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's a good dad. Like, he's good to the kids. It's so good. Like, it really seems like, again, yeah, it didn't go super smoothly exactly when they threw up, but, like, how would it? And, like, it seems like he reads to them. Like, there was a president said that he reads to them, and he knows – their favorite pancakes and like I, I don't know I think that's good parenting yeah. like it's good for her to you know appreciate that in your partner yeah. too oh also I will say that I think the book also did a good job at 
focusing on a problem for this relationship and because because it could have gone one way where the problem is either too big and like if, if the problem is big enough that this couple will need to split up we'll say if it was, if it was yeah, truly, if it was truly so abusive right. or the problem yeah. is too small like it, it's a meaningless problem that could be easily solved with just one conversation the book finds a problem that's somewhere in the middle not too abusive, but not too small either. It needs it, it needs multiple conversations to heal this. It needs more, you know, it needs time. 100%. And that's why I was saying, like, needs more time than till Christmas. Yeah. Uh, needs therapy. Yeah. Needs multiple conversations. But also to not throw in the towel because none of these problems that they have aren't fixable. Yeah. I think actually, like, I think I've said this before, but I'm pretty sure all of these problems are very common in the average relationship. I think, again, if you were honest with your partner, they seem to love and care about each other enough that they would actually try to fix it. That's what, again, that's why I've been like so frustrated. So, but you're right. Like this was good for a book. Like it was manageable. And then Gavin and Thea each go into his own separate uh, Black Friday shopping trips. Gavin with the kids, Thea with her sister. And Thea is upset that Gavin offered to take the kids for the Christmas shopping because she wanted to be included. And but he's doing it by himself with the kids. And she's like, well, I guess I'll have to get used to this. Yeah, girl. Yeah. It's probably a little bit of over-involvement because of her negligent parents. But it's like, yeah, you should let them have one-on-one time. And you should yeah. take a break and, and paint and, yeah. and do stuff like that. Like, yeah. So. And she uh, beca- decides to be impulsive because, and she notices, like, she has a problem with being impulsive. She feels like she's gotten, you know, too stuck in this role as of late. So she gets impulsive and goes with Liv to go shopping and... Liv admits that she saw Sia and Gavin as her OTP, her one true pairing. Yep, her OTP. Yeah. yeah. Which it's a you know, it's a sweet moment. Gets you just a bit on Liv's side, even though she can annoy me so much throughout the book. Yeah, I was like, thanks for being a little bit reasonable yeah. here. <laughs> like <laughs> And then they go back home, watch Elf together. Then Gavin reveals that he bought a Faulkner novel as a gift for Sia, and this was the same book that he had noticed her reading back when she back when he had approached her at this coffee shop that she had worked at, and he had offered to re- read it to her, but then she got some money sickness from her pregnancy, and the book was quickly forgotten, so now he got a new copy for her. And another little sweet moment. I loved this part because it's like, thank you, Gavin. You were doing exactly what Thea wants you to, which is pay attention to her. (laughs) (laughs) And have some quality time together. And over the next few days, she's warming up to him, you know, slowly but surely. He's starting to prove his worth. Then Gavin is planning to take Thea out for a date at this awesome craft warehouse. And the other guys are... Like, wait, are you sure about this? But she's like, no, like, she loves this. And she he even describes it as being like a toy store for her. Yeah. Like, she has a whole pen, co- a pen drawer that's organized by color, and she has a basket full of washi tape. And the guys ask, like, what's washi tape? And he's like, it's pretty tape for decorating. I don't know. She loves that shit, though. Yeah, I loved this. I thought this was really cute because I just love when couples he doesn't get it but he doesn't have to to still participate 
Like, I just love, like, I think that's actually a really important part of a relationship is like giving a shit about stuff that you probably actually don't give a shit about. Like, uh, like even if you're like feigning and like some sort of interest, like I really do think that's really important. So I, I really liked this yeah. part. Even, even Malcolm commands Gavin for being just supportive of Sia and understanding her artistic passion and, and then, and then Mac, of course, he gets distracted looking at a washi tape, which subsequently leads him to Pinterest. And, oh, yeah. and it's funny how the other guys are so baffled by the social media platform. And Mac is like, I'm at a table with a bunch of baby boomers. I loved this part, too, because it's like Pinterest again. I guess it seemed a women's website. You guys, it's a freaking search engine. It is a type of search engine. Like it lit like and Mac, Mac, Mac knew about it. Mac knew about it. Literally, like it is literally a search yeah. engine. Like there is, oh my gosh, because like there's a million trillion different things you could search on there. Like it's, and Mac it's, Mac oh gets God. all his best outfit ideas from Pinterest. And literally, oh my God. Okay, if there's like straight guys out there, like if you need a, like a new haircut, like a new haircut style. Or new outfits, like outfit inspo, if you're ever, like, unsure of how to put together an outfit. Like, literally just put those key, like, keywords into the search bar and you'll find, like, whatever. Yeah. Or gifts for, like, your mom or your dad or a partner. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, guys, so, so searching up uh, Dowd's pictures on Pinterest first. And then Max searches for Gavin, and, and there's a whole collage of these, like, hot Gavin photos of him with all his muscles and, like, half-naked. But Gavin, yeah. Gavin apparently couldn't care less. Yeah, I liked this part because I'm like, oh, yeah, Gavin's, like, a haughty, like, hunk. Like, I, like, I liked this, I don't know, reminder. <laughs> then we get to the point where Malcolm is like, son, what do you know about the Z-spot? And I like when Gavin just like flutters and responds to this. But they, the guys go on to be like, since you can't come out and say I love you, you need to find her G spot, specifically her emotional G spot. Again, because of the whole love thing. Mm-hmm. Of if, she, if she has that, not leaving it with people to say, you know, I love you. you know? Mm-hmm. And then she has, you know, the prepping for the date, Liv scolding her for choosing a hot dress. Yeah, again, yeah. Liv, back off, yeah. girl. She loves and wants this relationship to work. Like, support her. Yeah. <laughs> and Gavin takes her to the warehouse, and she's pumped. Uh, they get to talking about Pinterest, which is an important part of her life. And she knows all about all the pictures on there. Yeah. She's like, Gavin, women have been posting pictures of you on every social media site since the day we met. And sometimes yeah. they even post. Love how unfazed. They post pictures of her, of, of both of them, and Photoshop her out of the photos, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And then she kisses him. That was a significant moment. And I. I it was. It was like almost accidental. I forgot how. I feel like this romance is pretty slow burn. It's extremely slow burn, yeah. trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Not as slow burn as say something to talk to talk about by Mel Wilsoner, which I actually just covered on the podcast. That is mm-hmm. the slow burniest romance novel I've ever read. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And um spoiler alert to my good 
my good word, it's a, also a very slow burn book. <laughs> and then in the paintbrush aisle, Sia notices a couple of strange guys who are spying on them. And she's like, wait, maybe fans of Gavin? And then he takes Sia to dinner at this famous steak place that he knows, you know, she'd love. And Gavin politely declines chances to stop a target fan to recognize him. And he, uh, apparently he gets more fans, especially after that whole Grand Slam. And, and then they see the two men who are spying on them. And Gavin, this time, gets, a, gets a, close, a closer look at them. And he's like, wait a second, one of them is Brayden fucking Mac and a shit-ass disguise, <laughs> as the quote goes. Like, this was, again, this was funny. Like, I was LOLing, no. but I was like, okay, this is very clearly, like, a, a, a romance yeah. novel, like, where it's fake. Like, this is the element of just, like, no, this, like, this, is- this would never happen. <laughs> Some books feel very rom com in some parts, for this book especially, like this is one of the most, like if you're watching a movie, this is a full-on corny rom-com trope. You know, it's like this. 100%. Yeah. Because also the other guy who's with Mac is, is bad, the Russian. Yeah, and, yeah. Again, very much a side character, and like he didn't bug me, however I do, he bugs, he bugs some readers because of just how flat he is. Like he is yeah, yeah. Relief. however yeah however i he does get his own book later on that's what i was thinking i was like he's flat at this point but i w- just assumed that he would get a spinoff and that we would learn yeah. more about yeah him well, one of the sequels is focuses on him and his, and, and his wife it's yeah. funny because actually like, in these books we don't know if he has a wife we don't know we don't, we, we don't know we don't know that until like the sequel and so that was, yeah that was a really interesting book it's not perfect i think that i had some issues with it but i thought that, i thought that was a pretty a pretty interesting way of of handling like of fleshing him out and his yeah. relationship and his wife and that was actually like that was, a, that was a mafia romance too it had like some mafia stuff going on in that book russian mafia yeah, yeah okay. it was it was okay. a really it was a really intriguing book actually now the more i think back on it Nice. I, I can't wait. I'm going to add all these to my TBR list. Definitely, yeah. So Gavin follows the two men into the bathroom, and Vlad advises Gavin to take Gia to the dance floor. And even there's a stranger who just pops out of a stall and washes his hands. Even he, lists, he overhears the conversation. And he's like, yeah, you know, I agree with this. Take her out to the dance floor. <laughs> Yeah, like, again, very rom-com. Maybe this would happen in real life. But it's true, though. Like, this is, like, a good point. Like, at least ask. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. They point out how people reveal secrets more easily during a dance. So get a, get the other open up a little more easily. Okay. I don't know. That's what they say. That's what they say. It's yeah. a rom-com, whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And then Gavin asks a guy to throw out the two intruders, the two stalkers. <laughs> that was funny. This was really yeah. funny, yeah. And Max is completely ignored the guy too for a bit. And he's just continuing to try yeah. to advise uh, advise Gavin. And, and, and he also tells Gavin, like, when you get home, ask if you can kiss her in the driveway, in your car. Because apparently he read it in a book and he tried it on someone once. And she was absolutely off for it. Yeah. And isn't this where he thinks about the time that they kissed in the car and then pulled over and had sex? Or maybe that's later. I feel like... Because I think he was like, oh, that's a good idea because we did that once. I don't... I don't remember. 
I'm blanking yeah, on this. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but for, oh, for the sake of the restaurant customers, Mac pretends to be a huge fan who's heartbroken after getting booted out. And that just goes along with him. Uh, the hijinks of those yep. two. And Gavin doesn't even tell Sia the truth of what happened. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, I, I told him to leave us alone, whatever. And then he asks her to, to dance. So they dance, and he admits he that he regrets how he didn't have a big wedding. Or they also didn't get to have a honeymoon or have Sia's dad walk her down the aisle. So, you know, they're opening up a little bit during his dance. This is the type of stuff also that I'm like, okay, now your kids are a little bit older. Again, you're financially secure. Throw the wedding. Like, do the honeymoon. Like, this is the thing that I'm kind of like, it's frustrating because you are both privileged people. Like, it's not like you were, like, yes, they were young and got pregnant early in their relationship. And, like, but it's not like they're like financially struggling and they can't do this stuff or like go on a, a honeymoon with the kids and and just get like a nanny for a few days while you're there or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, you could again easily solve this. I know. But if they were willing to do that, don't you think they'd be a little, they'd be closer. They, maybe they wouldn't be having some of the problems with the distance between them. I know. No, if they did that, they, this bug wouldn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, and, oh my God. And she also admits to, admits to the stress she's feeling over her dad getting married and she's like because I feel like he's just gonna break another woman's heart again yeah so she's just out about that and and then when they get home you know they do share the kiss as Mac had advised Gavin to do and then he reads to her in bed which you know it's heartfelt it's cute it's cute next morning Liv does some more sniping at Gavin passive aggressively at him but he is determined to show that he won't abandon Sia again and then Sia gets an email from Vanderbilt and finds out, oh, she got in. So her class mm-hmm. starts in January, after Christmas, notably. Yeah, yeah. Christmas, the big marker. The big deadline. <gasps> and then Sia finds out that Alexis, who is the owner of a cat cafe that, that Liv has been helping out with, because Alexis and Liv are friends, Alexis wants Sia's artwork be displayed in a cafe. Yeah, yeah. Which was nice. No, yeah. No. And, Which is huge. Yes. Also, Alexis is in the third book. It is one of the thoughts. Cute. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Love it's that. It's her and, and this hacktivist, Noah. And they have like a friends and lovers dynamic. Is it all dual POV? Yeah, dual POV. One of them. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I like that for all these books. Yeah. Out I think it's my preference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, you know, sometimes romances with these just one POV can also help as well. Like, for example, a uh, certain situation. Sometimes I am reading a single POV book, and I'm like, well, I wish I could have a dual POV here. But, like, for example, uh, totally. the, the love hypothesis, for example, is just one POV from Olive's POV. Yeah. And then we have the romance books of saying dress up with the kids. And I like how comfortable they are just like doing the dress up here. Like, you know, obviously, you know, I, you know that's the whole point of the, of the group. They're comfortable with their masculinity. They're not, you know, feel like dressing up with the kids is an attack on, you know, on their manliness. <laughs> on, on traditional family values. Yes. Yeah, 100%. It's Which, cute for yeah. sure. And, and, and then they also have a discussion about the debatable feminism of Little Mermaid. Which was, it felt very timely to read about this after debating about this. I was literally 
just thinking was that. Was it on Monday? Yeah. You know, that's out now. Which I haven't, I haven't seen yeah, yet. Seemed, I haven't seen yet. I haven't either, but I really do want to see it. I'll probably just watch it. I'm not a movie theater goer, so I'll probably just watch it when it comes to Disney+. Plus. But yeah, it's funny how we were reading this and I was like, oh yeah, this is timely. But when the book was published, like this would have just been like a random thought. But yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's book, cute. Yeah, the book came out Again, back in 2019. Yeah, again, a little idealistic, like our a group of cishet men like debating the the feminist qualities of the Little Mermaid. I even I even wrote here a specific game. I know it's just as one of the parts that can come off as stiff and freaky. Right here, my <laughs> nose. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes. And then Gavin is trying to open up here about the fake orgasms and the other the other guys aren't making fun of him. Which I do appreciate that. Good. You know, that's uh, the whole point of being vulnerable is that, you know, you're in a safe space. A safe space where the person's going to listen non-judgmentally, 100%. Yeah. And yeah, this, again, like other men perpetuate um, this toxic masculinity when a guy is vulnerable and then they make fun of him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, totally. This was good. This was yes. good. But when Gavin mentions moving into the guest room and giving Sia the cold shoulder... That pisses everyone off, you know. As I said, you know, they're like, "Why didn't you like? Why didn't you pick up pick up on the signs in the first place?" You know, even as we're pointing out like issues with both Gavin and Sia, you know. But still, you know, Gavin, you know, Gavin has some issues here. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because like, okay, so like, obviously, this triggers Thea's like neglect and like runaway parents. But also, I'm like, I do understand when, if you feel like you've been lied to or, like, duped. Yeah, I, I can. Like, how you could be frustrated. Yeah, I can understand both of their perspectives and be, and be frustrated with both of them simultaneously. 100%. Like, do I think he should have given her the cold shoulder? Like, that is bad. Freezing your partner out is bad, bad, yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, but do I think he needed some time to like cool off and like regroup? Like, kind of cool but, off a bit, but then, yeah. but then he gave us a cold shoulder for like a few weeks, I think. If I recall correctly, I like know a, three weeks yeah, or whatever. It, it was a yeah. while, and then that's when she kicked, kicked him was, out. And like, he went, and you know, the hotel room getting drunk on craft bourbon, and then the other guys had to, yeah, like get over yourself. <laughs> and then, oh no. Sia and Liv are coming home, so the guys have to be like, quick, the books, hide the fucking books. This again, I was like, oh my god, like, but like, I get it because, you know, the the book club is secret, but like, very wrong yeah. for me. Hi, Jinx and Sue. And, yep. and Mac is stunned by Liv when she and Sia come, come in, and... And this is, and I even though I remember reading this book for the first time, and I and I pick up on this moment. I was like, "Wait, is there going to be another book with these two? And it turned out the next book does focus on them. And Liv does not care about him. Liv doesn't care about him. He's She's good. like, "What the fuck? I don't care about you, asshole." Yeah, queen. But no, this is one of my favorite parts about romance novels when you're like three quarters of the way, and then you see a sub care like a a sideline character. Uh, like talking with another sideline character and you're like this is yeah. it like I got a quarter of this book left but I can roll right into the next yeah. one <laughs> yeah I, that's a, always a, a neat little trope you see pop up and it 
in general, I, I like how there are so many of these series that take place in their own universes, you know, with the side characters get to be the star of their own book. You know, it's a nice way to keep the series going because obviously, like, it's very, it's rare that you can write a sequel that's based on the same couple from the first book. I feel like you, you almost never see that happen. You know, I think Totally. Of, and then, like, again, I, I'm making assumptions, but then we'll hear about how well Gavin and Thea are doing. Like, the, they're, like, obsessed with each other in, like, another book or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We, we get the yeah. little moment to check back in with them, yes. But exactly. That's my favorite. I feel like the only example I can think of where a book focuses, where, like, multiple books focus on the same couple is the is Donald A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. And then the. And that, and then there's a sequel for Andy's and a wedding, also focuses, focuses like on the same couple, and then I hope you a third book. Although it's not, it's not a straight up like rom com. It's more, I would almost call it, call it more like a romance. Like some of it is romance, but also other parts of it are very much like dark screwball comedy, focusing on just whole like you know wild family and aunties and the mom and some accidental murder. And <laughs> so, but I feel like that's the only example. Great. It is actually really not, not perfect. I have some issues with the books, like kind of messy in some parts, but I enjoyed books. And that's interesting. Nice. But I feel like that's the only, nice. only example I can think of. But again, I guess nice. the main couple continues on to the books. Love that. Know? Even the guys are amazed by the just walking away from back like that. And Del says, I feel like we just witnessed Jesus appear on a piece of toast. I love that. And Liv is mad when she learns that guys had eaten a leftover pizza. She doesn't get any happier when she heads down to the basement, where Vlad had gone after farting and going to the bathroom there. Like, <laughs> could have left out this scene, could have left maybe. it out. But it's a funny running gag, but like, okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Also, the pizza, like, whatever. Who cares? Order more. You're, you're freaking rich. Like, you, your husband is making, like, No, no, it, Liv, Liv, minimum. Liv, Liv was mad, not Thea. Liv was mad about the pizza. Oh, yeah, okay. Get, oh, get Thea to buy <laughs> more pizza. Like, you're staying at your sister's house. Again, multi-millionaires. Get them to buy more freaking yeah. pizza. Uh, also, I got the impression the house wasn't, I don't think the house was that big, right? It, I like living in a mansion. Okay, thank you. I was gonna bring that up, and then I didn't want to be that like petty and but I'm focusing but, on okay. it. So <laughs> yes, that was another thing that I was thinking because I was like, even like like first year MLB players are making like tens of millions of dollars, but like yeah, because they had one guest room and then like I guess a master and yeah. then they felt they lived in rooms for the they girls. lived in some suburban neighborhood, which I feel like. Yeah. A regular old house, like nothing particularly fancy or mansion-like. Yeah, because they did like a fire pit. They have a fire pit outside, but I was like, because Liv got relegated to the basement, but I was like... Yeah, wouldn't you have a bigger house? You're living in a three-bedroom? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, that was strange. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> Just a moment with Gavin and Gia out in the fire pit outside and talking. She admits that when she got pregnant, her mom accused her of doing it on purpose to trap Gavin into marriage. 
Which is like, wow, that's a shitty thing for your, for your parents to say. Because the mom had actually done that. She had gotten pregnant with Sia on purpose. That's actually so problematic. Which is like, oh, so of course she suspects her daughter of repeating the tactic. And her dad, yeah. and then her dad had nicknamed Sia Shotgun. Like Shotgun yes, Wedding. Yes, and Sia was nine when she learned the meaning behind her nickname. Nine years old. Yeah. Oh my, so much crap she le- had to deal with. I know, I know. Maybe I, I feel bad for being so harsh on her because that is a lot of burden. Like, that's a lot of weight to carry throughout your adult life. And I can see why she takes Gavin's, I don't want to say neglect because I don't think he was necessarily neglecting her, but, like, just kind of neutrality or whatever around it as as bad. Yeah, and and Sia even admits it was part of the reason, like, there was a, there was a period that she had avoided Gavin after learning she was pregnant. And it was uh, just part of it because she was afraid Gavin would think she was trying to trap her. She was trying to trap him. Yeah. And also because she was also yeah. just afraid too. It's like because they're young. They, yeah. They're both young at that time. Yeah, and she probably I don't I don't know if this was ever vocalized in the book, but she probably had thoughts being like, did he only stay with me because we had the kids, or because they had only dated at three months at that yeah. point, so they they didn't even really know if they were like compatible. Yeah. So, but she says here, getting pregnant was the best thing that ever happened to him. And in fact, yeah. he feels like he's the one who trapped her by proposing to her. Yeah, it's, it's not like she knew what kind of life she got sucked into. So see, they have their own anxieties. You know, they're both like... I know. I know. And like this, again, was the most poignant. I think I mentioned this earlier in the pod, but like this was the my favorite conversation because he came to the realization that he probably could have actually trapped her like and them actually again having a real conversation about real feelings like what a novel concept definitely definitely and then they make out briefly for a bit and and it gets pretty steamy too like he like like, takes off her shirt and her bra and it's like but unfortunately, better balls barking interrupts them, so cut them off. Yeah, and I was also like, "You're outside, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like you're in your backyard or, or like on your front porch or whatever." So I, when they were doing this, I was like, "A, Liv could look out the window at any second, and B, like your neighbors could also look out the window at any second." I know. Like, get it, girl? But like, what? They were just so spicy for each other. Yeah, 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 I get it. And Gavin does copy uh, Benedict because there's a moment because there's even a, like a shafter right around this point from according to Countess. It's a, a scene between Benedict and Irina when Benedict is also like doing some similar stuff and also like, you know, you know, may I touch you and, you know, stuff like that. And and, yeah. and Gavin is like, oh, yeah, so Gavin is definitely taking some lessons from the book here. Yeah. And then... Sia, she has her first paid gig as an artist by painting the logo for Alexis's cafe. And then Liv has noticed how distant her sister has been acting lately. And Liv says, Dad, maybe Mom will officially support you because you're officially her daughter. Which I was like, whoa, did you really have to say that? Yeah. This fight, you know, they were fighting, you know, Liv and Sia here. It's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't like this. I hated this. I hated this. Although I did find it slightly amusing when Liv was encouraging Sia to just, to just sleep with Gavin already. Use him for his body and then throw him out. 
I was like, I know. I was like, girl, what? I was slightly amused, but also cringing. Okay, I know also because I was like, this is your brother in law. This yeah. is the father of your nieces. Please. I, I felt like this, this is why I was like hating Liv because yeah. I was like, how can you talk about this about someone you've known for like three and a half years and like is a decent guy? Again, he's not like evil. I also feel like she's been condescending towards Sia as well and, treat, and treating her like she, like she can't handle her own issues. And even Sia says that. Like she says how like you seem to have a, low, a really low opinion of my ability to decide for myself what is best for me. And then Liv says, exactly. and then Liv says back, your track record isn't great. Yeah, which is such a burn because it's like, yeah, can you give like some maybe pointers, like point stuff out or some advice? Yes. But at the end of the day, you have to trust that that person is, you know, making the best decisions for themselves. Yeah. God. And then Alexis, I forgot to notice earlier, Alexis, her cat is named Beefcake. Yeah. <laughs> Super cute. Then we cut to Gavin, who is reading according to the Countess and is taken aback by how steamy a sex scene is getting. And he's like, wow, did people really perform? Like, you know, did they really, like, go down on each other back then? Also, that, and I said this before, has Gavin never done this with the other before? Because it sounds like he never gone down on her. Yeah, and I don't understand how he... I guess, like, it might be shocking to read, like, a steamy romance novel if you've never read that before. But I was like, you didn't think people were doing this back then? People were heathens yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Like, like, absolute heathens. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, do you not know, like, basic history and, like, how people had, like, a billion kids? Like, <laughs> stop. <Yeah. sighs> and now he's finally gotten a book boner. Yeah, finally his yeah. book boner. Oh, God, hate that. But, yeah. And then Sia comes home all of a sudden, and he has to quickly hide the book underneath the couch cushion. It even says, like, he scrambles like a teen who's been caught looking up porn. Oh my god, this is the worst. I'm cringing, I'm physically cringing. <laughs> yep. But Sia is horny, jumps on him, and it's like, and they're, get, and they're getting horny, you know, they're getting into the spice. But the thing is, initially it just seems like it's taking a while for things to happen, for her to come. So he tries to change positions, kind of like flips them around, you know, very, very seamlessly. He also knows because, like, of course, he's got the muscles. He's, he's an athlete, of course. He, yeah, he's like, I forgot that I was an athlete and could just like throw around a bit. I was like, I was like, and you're not utilizing that to the best of your ability. Like, that is one of your like strengths. It really makes me wonder, like, how still was a nice was a was a Literally, I was thinking exactly how bad was yeah. it? God. Then finally, she's like, no, like, it's not going to happen tonight, no matter how much you're trying to push for this. Even when he's trying to shear her on, but she tells him to stop. And she's like, stop being a cheerleader. This, I, I think this was the part where I was laughing because he was like, he was like literally just being like a teammate. Like you could just tell he was in on team sports. Like he, he was like, um, come on, like... <laughs> Go the <laughs> I think I was like LOLing, yeah. but I just wanted to like shake her and just be like, take your time. Yeah. He's in no rush. You're in no rush. Do some breathing exercises. Focus on the sensations. Like I just wanted to like coach her through yes. this. And just as oh, so frustrated, crawling shot one canker blossom is a is an aristocrat voice that passes through Gavin's head and 
and she's just like, just talk to me. But she's like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what's wrong. You can't just snap your fingers and say, come, baby, and make it happen. Which is all true, but talking definitely helps. Yes. Like, talking does yeah. help. And then she's like, what is it with men? You think that just because you have a heart on, we women are supposed to just roll over and start moaning like a porn star for you. And then he's like, except that you did, Tia, every time. I thought I was the king of the fucking sheets, thanks to your acting skills. <laughs> I'm, again, physically cringing. Yeah. Like, I actually want to yep. that. Yep. Brutal, like absolutely brutal. And then she revealed she had been able to orgasm sometimes with her two previous boyfriends. And he responds by being like, you know, I wish I'd never found out that my wife had treated our entire marriage like one long pity fuck. Oh yeah. my god, Gavin, no, don't say that. I know, like it's just getting, she, like you're digging and digging and digging. And then she's hurt, and then she's like, she doesn't fuck anyone unless she wants to, including her husband. Her body isn't a charity. And Gavin yeah. just leaves the clear as hell. Yeah, I really liked um, what she was saying. I think that's really, that's really fair. Also, I think like, is this like a good way of talking about the orgasm gap? Like, he seemed shocked that... I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I was like, it, you know, obviously, like women having a more difficult time orgasming just because of their bodies. Yeah, of, yeah like how how they're socialized. And then compared to men and how it's ingrained into our society. And also, yeah, also, yeah. it also doesn't help that men also are like, for them, sexuality to face for being viral, you know, but for women, they're slut shamed. And so that also plays. Yeah, a role. it's very it's you're right. It's so complicated with the views of the value put on virginity and and all of this. Yeah, slut shaming. Like all you're totally right, all of that stuff. And women not being allowed to learn about their bodies. Oh, yes. Shame about masturbation. Sex ed. And oh your masturbation. Yeah. Like- lack of sex ed, one hundred percent. Also some differences about women and men with like um and I know I'm really talking in the gender binary but like people with like vulvas and stuff like that like again lack of knowledge about anatomy like it's obviously super multifaceted so but yeah this was just like so cringy like it was just so freaking I know I know (laughs) I was just like okay so I just wanted to double check on this and apparently it says so the average woman needs 20 minutes of stimulation to reach climax, whereas men typically require between 2 to 10 minutes. Yeah, and I think, like, again, don't, like, quote me on this, but, like, men are more, like, physical, where women need more, like, like maybe visual and, like, I don't know. There's just, I feel like there is more work into achieving an orgasm for women, but hopefully your partner is is into putting the work yeah. in obviously Gavin but then Gavin I feel like he was like he thought he was putting in the work like I don't know it's I don't think he was either when he would like flipped her around and he was like I didn't know I could do that like but like I don't know I don't know who knows knows? but (laughs) Gavin just take some time to cool off out of this batting cage just whacking some balls This was like also very like toxic. Like, just feel like it was like go blow some steam off. Yeah. Oh. And <laughs> yeah. but now, but now he, this is when he is now having to reckon with his own with his, with his fault here and 
and having to realize that he's been faking the marriage for himself for a while, and he's been ignoring his own problems, his own flaws, and he needs to do some self-examination. So he returns home and goes up to talk with Sia, and she's in bed with Butterball, and now he opens up to her about how in high school, apparently, he had had a crush on this girl and had been brave enough to ask her out, but then she just made fun of him, of his stutter, and then, and then she passed around a list of top, of top 10 guys most in need of a pity fuck, and he was number one on her list. Yeah, yeah, this was so sad. It really just shows you how complicated um, adult life is uh-huh. because of, like, shit that goes down in your, like, childhood and, and early teens and the shit yeah. that you carry around. Like, I mean, but he also, he didn't, he didn't lose his virginity till college as well. So yeah. he, he also, like, has his own hangouts about that and... Yeah, he, and part of him wishes he didn't know about Sia faking it because then they could just keep keep pretending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> that's rough. Yeah, but so getting vulnerable, he says, "End my agony, Sia. I beg you." With <laughs> very romance yes. novel, and they share this lady that will kiss, and then she asks him to stay and read to her. They end up like staying in bed. They don't ha- they don't sleep together. Like they don't have sex, but they did get naked and they did stay in bed. And now in the morning, they're ready for some maybe some steam here. But and they're so damn close too, very close. But then the kids come knocking on the oh, door. Oh yeah, the kids interrupt. Yeah, classic. Oh no. And 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 Ava is like, "Daddy's back doesn't hurt anymore," because that was the excuse for him being in the guest room. Yeah, again, not a three-year-old, but whatever. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, also, I should know, Liv has been staying with Alexis for the past few days while mm-hmm. being mad at, at Sia. And then they go to the team Christmas party. And Sia and Gavin are, are planning to sleep together tonight, officially. And they're like, will she, you know, will she come tonight? And what if happens if she doesn't? Big question yes. on everyone's mind. Yes. And this event... Is somewhat uncomfortable because Rachel and Jake had argued, and apparently it's it's very strongly implied they might like they might get a divorce, they might split up, and Rachel is pinning the blame for this on Sia's bad mojo at Thanksgiving. So a lot of people are acting superstitious around Sia, like kind of like staying away from her. Could you imagine thinking that because one person that you spent a holiday with had problems in their marriage that it just like what i know you, you have your own problems in your, in your marriage See, that's not that's, not, that's yeah. another marriage therapy for them as well because they have their own problems oh my god oh. she's a little delulu <laughs> uh, but the whole ceremony it even has a moment for the wags and to honor mm. them and gavin and sia they have their own little passionate kiss. Then finally, they're like, let's, you know, let's get out of here. But Tia is going to stop by the bathroom first. And then this is what you had brought up earlier. She passes by Rachel and her own little group of the wags and is able to overhear them talking shit about Gavin and his stutter. And it's just like, oh. This is brutal. Again, you're so right about how there's actually so many deep issues and like really sad elements of this yeah. book, but it, it actually stays pretty light. But, but, the, but the content yeah, itself, um, it's heavy. Like 
the content is heavy. So and Rachel is like, oh, you know, I bet they're both versions when they met. Or like, I bet he even stutters in bed. And it's like, oh yeah. my, so malicious. So ugly. Also, they're like two hot people. So I feel like it's a little, like... Well, does that really stop people from talking shit about you? Yeah, good point. Good point. I love how Sia just tears Rachel apart. Yeah, she really goes yeah, to town. Stands up for Gavin. It's just like, uh, I, I, I love it. You know, because just seeing this, seeing this energy from Rachel and you just, you want to come up and come. I feel like for some rom-coms where the comeuppances for certain villains are just so cathartic and this is one of those moments. 100%. I felt the same yeah. way. And... And even and, and even the way she has talked about like you know she's talked about being a baseball wife and she's talked about like you know being the kind of baseball wife who had to give birth alone because her husband was gone or spending twenty four hours in the emergency room with with her twins by herself because they had a stomach flu during the season and she's doing all of that because she married Gavin who she loves yeah. and oh and yeah. and then I love when she says and for your information yes. Gavin stutters in bed, and it's fucking beautiful. And Gavin witnesses this too, along with other people. Yeah, this was really yeah. sweet. Again, it it shows you how deep their love truly is, and how if they just corrected some of these miscommunications and healed a little bit from past trauma, that they could have a really beautiful and long lasting marriage. Which I'm assuming is what happens. Yes, yes. So Gavin and Sia, they leave, and they're just so pumped up on their energy. It's, it's like with a grand slam. <laughs> they need that energy. Yep. Yeah. So horny now, they speed back to the hotel. And I love how Gavin just throws his car keys at the valet, just rushing along. Yeah. <laughs> and they dive, in, they dive into the spice. And yeah. Okay, also, so he tells her, like, he loves how much he tastes. He loves how much he tastes. And I'm like, wait, mm. so... It sounds like this is new. Have you not done this before? Yeah, this was the part that I also was like, like have you, like, have you not complimented your wife before and then? Yeah, this was, yeah, this was a little bit weird too because also I felt like what he was saying was so out of the blue because, like, it was a one eighty turn from what was happening before, so. I don't know. I, it was coming from the book, but like I don't know how I, feel, I don't know how I, I feel about this. I feel like I can reason I can reason just like the energy. Again, the energy is like so pumped up and yeah. It, it, yeah, you're yes. courage to say things they might not typically say. But still, I just yeah. yeah. I get I get your viewpoint. I'm just here focusing on how apparently he did not I, I don't think he did compliments like say stuff like this before, which is important. Like talk no. talking like this stuff is important. One hundred percent. But you're right. From like what we've learned about them in previous interactions, like I don't think that was happening. Yeah. But you know, it's twenty. She she comes. They both come. Yay! Finally, that slow burn, yes. baby. Yeah. And they do some more because he's gonna order some room service afterwards. But then the sight of her donning his jersey arouses him enough that he's getting hot again. Just so quickly after earlier. And so they just dive back in for yeah. more. And then he spanks her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's, she's like, did you just spank me? And no. then he's like, yeah, did you like it? And she's like, just try it again. And again, I was like, okay, this is actually, 
I thought this was a really good example. Like you should, again, probably ask first, but like, um, I thought this was a really good example of like two people trying, willing to try it out and like, oh, that didn't work. Okay. We won't do it again. Or like, oh yeah, that really did work. Like I thought this was a good example of like, cause I feel like in a lot of romance novels, they don't talk like this. Like they just do it. And then it's like, oh, that worked. Whereas like, yeah, like they don't kind of have that like trial period. Aside from books like The Kiss Quotient, for example. Yes. Or like ones where it's like, I'm learning like, or whatever. But like, I, I I don't know. This one, I I thought this was good. I thought this was good. And he mutters, holy muddy modeled wagtails. Which, Sia, Sia hears this, but she was just to ignore it. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we all know yes. what he truly yes. meant. Yeah. And and they just do it some more, even, like, later on, you know, they just keep, like, asking over and over again to make up for, like, the past three years and before, yeah. deciding, before yeah. returning home. Unfortunately, when they, when they return home, you know, we're getting up to the, you know, third act conflict because uh, Liv comes back to Sia and Gavin's place, apparently to fetch her things, and she thinks that Sia is rejecting her by taking Gavin back. And I'm like, Liv, come on, the two things. Sia has, has Again, enough, go to enough love and acceptance in her heart to welcome both of you in. But I, again, yeah, therapy scars from their parents who were so neglectful. Yeah, 100%. But I'm like, even when he came back, she said you can stay in the basement. So, like, again, yeah. I didn't think it like this, but I'm not but, Liv. And then this is when Liv is like, go look at what he's hiding in the guest room closet before she hops out. And then Gavin is panicking when she has, like, what are these books, you know? And Gavin texts to the club, code red, books discovered, need help. And she, uh, like, A, you're dumb. Like, <laughs> B, like, what? And, I hate this so much. I hate this so much. Yeah, we have opinions, you know. And, and, and Sia, mm-hmm. Sia discovers the books in the closet. One of them is The Sexually Satisfied Countess. And she reveals that she loves romance books herself and has them on her e-reader, which had actually been predicted earlier on. I think one of the other guys was like, oh yeah, she probably has the romances on her, on her e-reader. And, and a few of the other guys are texting Gavin, and Max is just asking if she wants to act out the dirty parts. Dead. Oh my god. But then, she uh, then finds, according to Countess, and finds all of the notes and underlying passages in the book. And, she, and she's like, which one of us has been faking it? And so now this is when she's like, you're faking, did you fake this the whole time? Stealing material from the book. And she also learns about the book club at this point. And he tells her he loves her, but she can't say it back because she doesn't trust him. That's the whole thing. Even if he says he loves her, she can't trust that. And she's like, I want honesty. But he points out how she lied for three years. So don't be hypocritical. So now, <laughs> oh my God. And, and, now, and now he's leaving because he, he was supposed to go to a trip to New York for this photo shoot with the rest of his team. But now he's like, I got to get out of here. I feel like, and he's like, we got to break up then. And I'm urging you to dig into your backstory. And maybe then we can save our marriage. What do you think about this yeah. conflict? You know, we, we have like, okay. some opinions before, but to flesh them out more. Yeah, yeah. I think like, again, and again, I'm not 
I'm not Thea, but like, I don't think it, it was really wrong what he did. Like, again, when you are learning to do something different, oftentimes you go to replication before you can, you know, thrive and, and create your own stuff. Like, and it's not like, I, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's not like he was like saying like, like reciting a poem like that he had written about the beauty of Irina or something like that. He literally said like two things and like they were like four words. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't think it was like that big of a deal, but like I understand how it seems just like another secret that is between them. But I just was like, I don't, shouldn't you be happy that, it, it improved your sex life. I don't know. And it helped them to overcome their, you know, their mis- nervousness. Yeah, nervousness, yeah. emotional issues, psychological issues, their anxiety, their miscommunication. And I, I still feel the same way as I said before. And I feel like there's this, out of all of these third ass conflicts I've read in rom coms, you know, sometimes they can feel realistic and organic. Other times they come off as forced. I think this is one of the more forced conflicts I've read in a rom com. Yeah, I honestly would have been happy for the book to end like point it did before this kind of like third. Interesting. So like after after the hotel, after they've been able to both. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe it's like, like maybe there's a little bit more wrap up like with her school and parenting and stuff. But like, I don't know. Well, like with her dad also, like trying to resolve her issues with her dad. Yeah. But. Yeah. And yeah. and also I have a grudge against Liv for being the one. Liv was the one who kicked us off by telling Thea about the book, so Sneaky. <laughs> and then Liv comes back because Gavin texts her to check up on Thea. Which is like Gavin so Gavin cares about Thea. Like he's texting Liv to check up on her. A hint that he's a good person. Well, Gavin spends a night on one of the couches in Max's basement, and this is when we have a moment where he wakes up, he finds this Max niece just budging into, budging into his space and offering him an apple from Max as a callback to earlier, the whole apple bit. Very cute. <gasps> oh, Max reminds Gavin he wasn't supposed to recreate the book. Again, like he, he shouldn't have, like he shouldn't have done that, but I can also understand why he did that. Again, with the inspiration, you know, but... It's, it's, it's so messy. Yeah, and again, he didn't steal a poem. Again, like a whole poem. Yeah. Did have you? Yeah, like do you have you watched all the boys I loved before? Oh, watched or read them? I've read the first two books and read and watched all the movies and watched the spinoff series XO Kitty. XO Kitty, yes, but in that movie and book, the main character, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, but he steals a poem. Peter Kavinsky. Peter Kavinsky, thank you. He steal like steals a poem like right. no one is yeah, the moon isn't as like beautiful as you, sweet Laura Jean or whatever. Right. And like like that is bad. Right, right, That's bad. Right. But like having some like throwaway lines that you're using in bed, I I don't feel like is yeah. bad, but whatever. I, for, like, I forgot Peter did that. Yeah, like he literally stole like a William like Wordsworth oh, poem or Peter. something. Or whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Yeah, like, oh my yeah. So, and like just literally replaced the girl's name with Laura Jean. Yeah, like that's yeah. bad. This is, is, 
I think fine. I gotta ask, did you watch Excel Kitty yet? Not okay. yet, but I will. It's on my list. I would recommend it. It gets cringy in some plots with some tropes, but I overall really enjoyed it. And I'm and, and I'm I like some I'm cringe. for season two, which there will be season two. So like thank nice. God. Like there was that there was certain parts of the show where I was like, wait, maybe Netflix won't green light this, but then it's like, okay, they just green light it. Thank God. Like have you heard you? any spoilers for it? No. Okay. I won't I won't say anything specific about it then. Just like just go into it. Yeah. It'll it, it'll yeah. be very interesting to watch how that unfolds, yeah. Yeah, it's I feel like it'd be a fun quick yeah. binge. Oh, so. yeah. Incredibly bingeable, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sophia is just now trying to deal with her own crap now and her backstory. And there's even a point where it's like it says, you know, you spent your entire life believing one version of the truth. Have you ever looked at things from your mother's, you know, point of view? And, and I think she, she, she got that from, from the book. She was reading Courting Countess. She was trying to take a lesson from that because, you know, coupling that with also having their own issues with like the parents and stuff. You know, again, to parallel Gavin and Sia's relationship. Now, Sia's trying to reflect on this and reflect on her relationship, think about all of this with, with Liv, and then Sia's eventually like, I'm scared to open up to him, to, to Gavin, but I gotta open up. I, I have to uh, dig up all this dirt, all this, all, this, so, all this dirt. So now Sia is planning to go to her dad's wedding and, because yep. he originally hadn't been planning to do that before. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's so tough to dig up your own shit, but you really have to yes. do it. To even have a, a quote from the grandma, or a grand-grandism, as they call it. It goes, don't go kicking over logs if you're not prepared for what comes crawling out. Love it. Honestly, I, I should live by yeah. that. And Gavin, for his part, he's on his flight with the other players who are doing a photo shoot, and Del criticizes him for leaving Sia. And then Liv calls to let him know Sia is heading to a dad's wedding up in Atlanta. And Gavin thanks her for the heads up. So it's like, okay, you know, you get a point for that, Liv. You know, you get a point. You finally did the right yeah. thing. And then Gavin swears, urgent snouted cot piece. And then he's like, I gotta get off this plane. So now he's like, he's gotta, and the plane hasn't taken off yet. So he's gonna get off and the other players are gonna go with him. And... And the chapter ends with him telling the flight attendant, let me off this plane. I have to go marry my wife. I hated this. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It, it's just very, again, rom commy oh, yeah. running for a plane yeah. to um, redo your vows at another person's wedding. I mean, the whole grand gesture, like they even point out the grand gesture thing, you know, it's a, it's a trope in this book. And it, it's kind of cringy, but I can appreciate Lisa K. Adams being self-aware about these tropes. I feel like yeah. some, some, some rom-coms do that. Like, even though I know it's a love hypothesis. I feel like it's one of the most popular examples of being very self-aware of its tropes. So it's like, uh, don't they, don't the leads refer to, uh, like, having a fake dating Wednesday or something like that, if I recall correctly? I think, the, I, think the, mm-hmm. I think the leads have something like that. Like, they refer to the fake dating trope and the love hypothesis. And it's just like, you know, books, right. you know some rom-coms, they acknowledge the tropes. You know, poke fun at it. Have some, have some fun. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think in a lot of ways it works. And uh, yeah, maybe they needed this. But yeah, you're right. It works in some cases and doesn't in a lot of other ones. So Sia is now at the da- at her dad's wedding. And she's talking with her dad. And the atmosphere is very uncomfortable when they're talking in the car. Because there's so much distance between them. He's just like a stranger to her. Not as much of that familiarity. The ones between them. 
but I did, I did like the way that we were able to flesh out the dad, and even in this small moment, and how he's like, he, he acknowledges he was a bad dad. He even says, like, you know, he knows he's a sad cliche, but hoping that it's not too late to make up for that. And she's like, it is too late to make up for that. And he says, like, he suffers for that because he, like, he, he's like, you know, you've, you've grown up and I'm proud of the person you've become. And I'm sad that I can't partake in your life properly. I can't even, I can't even be a proper granddad to your daughters. And it was, surpri- it was heartbreaking. It was, like, yeah. He, you know, it, yeah. he, was, he was definitely shitty, but I'm glad he owns up to it. And he realizes, like, totally. how bad he was. Totally. Is, like, way, like, way more maturity than I'd expect coming from him. Totally, and he also admits that he, before that he felt like earlier, like when he was younger, he felt like he never would have been a proper dad to his daughters, and he was just better off making money and providing for them that way. But that had a negative impact on Liv and Sia, and that's very also a component of masculinity and the patriarchy. Yeah. That yeah, that dads often think that providing financially is it's enough it's, it's sufficient the, yeah is enough or the better way oh the mom stays home with and does the like emotional yeah. labor so another element of masculinity yes. here and when she asks if he regrets her he says never not once it's, it's moving very cute yeah. that is yeah with the shotgun stuff that yeah. is cute. And, and he even says like you know he says your mother getting pregnant was the best thing that ever happened to me I was simply too stupid and selfish to know how to be the father you deserved. And it's funny how... Yeah, and it kind of calls back Gavin. to, yeah, what Gavin said. Yeah, It's funny, yeah. And now the dad goes off to his wedding, hoping Sia will stay. Sia brought along to, brought along to Regency Romance and calls it the annoying countess. Yeah, so funny. And reading it through and then decides to attend a wedding, be brave enough to attend the event. And sees the look of like this look of genuine love that her dad is sending towards his, you know, about to be wife, newlywed. This was also like a little bit of a stretch yeah, for me. But, but whatever, like, whatever. Because like I'm like there, there would be like a twenty plus year age gap here. Like we'll just like suspend. Well, maybe uh, thirty. Yeah, I, I like think, I'll just suspend. I think he was like fifty like, or sixty, somewhere around that age range. Gross. <laughs> and then this is when she has her own realization of like, well, crap! I need to head to New York and make up with Gavin. I like this trope of both people and right before like the grand gesture, they both realize they want to get back together. You know, I think that happens sometimes. Totally. They both have this realization of, oh, crap, like, you know, I've had these issues, or, you know, I see what's happening now, I want to get back, I want to try to get back together with them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I like that they came to the conclusion by themselves. They're on the same road now. They are, finally. And now Gavin and his friends, and you know, the club, they're running, and, even, and Mac is like, why are we running? And because they're all running, and, and, and Vlad is the one who's like, because this is Grand Jester, you always run for Grand Jester. And then Gavin says, and because you park seven blocks away. Yeah, I love that. That was really yes. funny. And <laughs> this does become a running gag in the sequels of like the whole Grand Jester and having to run, like literally run to accomplish it. That's funny. That's very yeah. cute. And then Gavin and his club, they crash the wedding and... I 
do find this to be cringy. I'm not completely satisfied with this because I feel like, well, okay, you're crashing a whole wedding here. And I don't think it's quite appropriate, even as it's supposed to be all romantic, but it's, I don't know, I cringe at it. What do you think? 100%. It it makes sense in a rom-com movie and stuff like that, but it's like, in real life, again, this just would never happen. Like, oh, you spent 50k on a wedding and two rando, not randos, but like basically randos ruin it and make it their own wedding. Like, yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. It's- yeah, it's it's just very rom com. Yeah. Not not one of my favorites, uh, grand gestures and a rom com novel, but oh well. <laughs> and and I will admit, even even uh even Gavin is like, oh wait, maybe I should have thought this through. As all of as all of these yeah. people are just staring at him. At him as yeah, as he walks into the down the aisle. Yeah. And the dad is mad. Tia's dad, like it even says, Tia's father looked looked like a storm. Clearly, I would be yeah. too. And Dia kisses Gavin, tells him she loves him. They both admit to being scared and stupid, and they'll probably be scared and stupid once again, but they'll get through it. Gavin notices uh, the dad smiling a bit. A nice little moment, you know. You know, a nice little moment. And Gavin proposes to her right outside the church. And Dia is also reading the romance books of for the first time. Which also she came up with it. She's the one to, who who calls them that. So that's when they come up come up with the name. Yeah, I love that. And Vlad is a minister here. I guess I guess he had the registration to be a minister. Yeah. But Gavin rushes through things as the wedding inside the church is wrapping up. So he's just like rushing through the process and to renew the, the vows. <sighs> so yeah, but so now they, you know, they got remarried, and the dad, the dad, you know, notices. I do like when Gavin points out how he would like to punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, appropriate, but... Not again. But now they're remarried, and now we've just got the epilogue, where Gavin is reading According to Countess to Sia at Christmas Eve. And Benedict gives Irina a sneak attack kiss and proposes to her in front of the whole ton. And Sia and Gavin agree that a sneak attack kiss is appropriate. Yeah, very. In this specific cute. situation. Mm-hmm. Then Sia and Gavin they get some they get into some steam, and you know they just you know they're together. They're opening up. They're emotional. They're steamy, and that's how the book ends. The end. Happily ever after. Yay. So oh. fun. Super. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, we've been pointing out our issues with the book, but again, as I said before, I still recommend this for listeners. Oh, yeah. So many romance novels, I'm like, this is unrealistic. If they just talk to each other, everything would be solved, etc. Doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was super cute. And again, super easy read, like really took me like almost just an afternoon. <laughs> good, good. To a romance book club, you know, I'm glad I dived back into it for this uh, reread. As I said before, as much as I do have my problems with the characters being immature and live and parts being like unrealistic and all of that, overall, I think this is I enjoyed this with its handling of how it's meta about romance novels and uh, and how it handled toxic masculinity and approaching healthy masculinity. And the way it approaches Gavin and Sia's relationship, which, again, I feel like in the hands of a lesser author, could have been much more clumsy in the way it was executed. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. That's a really good point. 
But so that's the Romance Book Club, and I you know also you know recommend check out the sequels too. You know that'd be good as well. But I definitely will be. A- any more final thoughts on this book? No, but I am. I I guess my final thought is yeah, I'll be checking out the 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 sequels and and this author. Like I had a good time, yeah. and I almost like a little bit of problems with a book because then I get to have fun you know conversations like this with you and stuff like and even when I'm reading them by myself and I'm laughing laughing or or cringing or shaking my head like that's fun so it was yeah it was nothing that totally derailed the experience no I it wasn't like a DNR book or whatever like no not at all there are some there are some romances out there where I have had some issues with some and I'm like oh Oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, oh yeah. Then I immediately go to Goodreads and rate them one. Yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> oh, one star. Uh, what was? Yeah. What was the one? Okay, so it, it happened one summer by Tessa Bailey, for example. That mm-hmm. I've covered, I did an I did a podcast on that book, and even though I'm I remember being I don't know fairly light on that book. It's not like I was tearing into it too deeply, but at the same time. Looking back on it, I had some deep problems with it happened one summer, and just some yeah. With it. Wait, yeah. have you read it? I forgot. Yeah, Tessa Bailey doesn't. I feel like super do it for me. Yeah, the sequel. Yeah. There's a standalone sequel to it happened one summer that I like. Yes. I liked it more. Yeah. It wasn't perfect, I could, but it, yeah. I liked it more. Yeah, I liked that one better, yeah. for sure. <sighs> well, I guess that's. All my final thoughts on this book. Uh, oh, I should also say that this was not Lisa K. Adams's uh, debut novel, but this was her first book with a major publisher, and before that, she had done self-publishing. Oh, cool! That's good yeah, to this know. This was like her, her introduction to a big audience. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so that's a whole breakdown of the Romance Book Club. Yay! And now, yay! That was super yes. fun. And now we can. Segue onwards to Good Words. This is the segment where each of us gets to recommend something. A book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, anything we want. So, Tori, what is your Good Words? Yeah, I am once again, because I feel like if the listeners are here for a romance novel, I'll just give them more romance novels. So, my Good Word is The Serpent and the Wings of Night by Carissa Broadbent. I've been on a real fantasy romance kick. And I think there's a, a lot of pros to romance fantasy. Like the books are like 700 pages. <laughs> so you like you get a lot like it's really in depth. This one is really, really creative. It has a Hunger Games vibe. There's, they do, I forget what it's called, but it's basically the Hunger, like there's a, it's called the Kajari. I'm looking at my notes. And it's similar to the Hunger Games vibe, very much so. So I don't want to say anything else in particular. It's, again, fantasy. So there is vampires there's magic there's monsters etc if you like a court of thorns and roses if you like from blood and ash like those those two are becoming movies so those are like hits this is definitely like a fun book to read after those yes 
or or, or no uh, series, right? Series. I think. Yeah, yeah. So this okay. So this one is a. I think it's a two, a duet. I think that this one's a duet. But yeah, blood from blood to ash and a court of roses yeah. and thorns is series. Oh, I was just asking because the adaptation is to a series, not movies. I read the books. And I remember Axtar is supposed to be going into Hulu as like a, as a yes. series. Yes. And then for Blood and Ash, that's Prime Video also as a series. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, also that's way better than movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, which also makes sense. I like, the Shadow Phone. Like, like Shadow Phone is also a series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much in that same realm, but yeah. Even the Rings of Power on Prime Video, also a series. Yes, so, on Prime, yeah. So yeah. There's almost like, we're heading into an era of fantasy series adaptations, which is interesting. 100%. Because, like, Hunger Games, we were in, like, that dystopian realm for a really long time. Yeah. And, yeah, I think now fantasy is definitely taking a center stage. And it's also just fun to... Because before I read romance, I read a lot of like fantasy fiction and stuff like yeah. that, and so it's kind of fun to meld the two together. Okay. Definitely, like you know, bring, bringing me back to my like you know reading days when I was diving back into reading. Throne of Glass was the first was like one of the first fantasy series that I dove into, and also Blood and Ash, also one of the like first fantasy series that I dove into. So yeah, and then also Avatar as well, and. And also, and then Shadow and Bone, you know, Six of Crows, series like that. Totally. Fifth season. Yeah, super fun. And again, long reads, so you can read them over, like, days or weeks, which I think is fun, too. Like, when you can't wait to pick up a novel again. And, yeah, super action-packed and twists and turns. And, yeah, it's really and it's funny that you also brought up uh, Carissa Broadbent because... Uh, like one of my guests on a recent podcast on an episode I did on Artemis Fowl, one of the guests actually recommended Crowns of Niaxia, that series, by the same author. Oh, that that is this one. Oh, it's this one? This is the first, yes, this is, is the, this one. This is the first book, that yes, series? in, okay. yes. Oh, that's funny. Hey, now you have to read it. Interesting. Damn. Okay. Yes. Crowns of Niaxia. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know. I thought it was was Niaxia, but maybe I'm mispronouncing it. I don't know. Sometimes with these fantasy terms, you know, sometimes you don't know what the pronunciation is. and Until, like, the movie comes, like, literally. But, yeah, yeah, it's a a duet, but there is a standalone prequel. That has none of the characters from the duet, but is set in the same world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Add it definitely to my TPL pile then. And... Yeah, you have to. I think you would really like it if, well, you just listed a bunch of similar books. So I think you would really, really like it. And yeah, if, if I'm the second person yeah, yeah. to recommend it to you. Definitely, definitely. And oh, also Legend Born. I love I love Legend Born by Tracy Dion. That's another good like YA fantasy recommendation. So I hope gets an, gets a adapted someday. Have you read Legend Born? No, I haven't. Okay. It, it's really good. I've done episodes on, on both Legend Born and the sequel Blood Black, and a and a third book will be coming out. It's really good. Yeah, I'll um I'll definitely add it to my TBR. I would say especially like the the world building of that. I 
I would compare it actually to Blood and Ash in terms of how like complex the rules get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like. Bloodlines. It's very much like about bloodlines and hierarchies. Yeah. So very yeah. blood and ash in that sense. Nice. Oh, all right. So that's your good word. And now my good word is going to be the Happy Wheels playthroughs by Greystone Plays. Now, I recently discovered these through TikTok because there's this fan account at GSP fan page on TikTok. Not by, not by Greystone Plays, who is like this YouTuber, but I found GSP fan page, just like a fan page of these playthroughs by uh, Greystone Plays. And it has been so entertaining to watch these playthroughs of this game, Happy Wheels, which I have not heard of. I, had, I hadn't heard of it before. Have you, you know what Happy Wheels is? No. So it's like this old computer game. I think maybe it was like 2000s so or maybe somewhere around the era. Yeah, like it sounds familiar to me. Let me look it up, me. actually. But Happy Wheels is basically this game where you, you play this, you play this, like you play this, this character who is either like on a pogo stick or on this bicycle, or on a Segway. And you just have to ride along all of these different courses that people have made up. And like, and you have to avoid like spikes and swords. And you have to go on these ropes. Or just all of these obstacles that are in your way. And the courses can get so wild after you try over and over again to get through them. And if you die, like you die. Your body, like, it's, yeah. it's funny to watch the animation for these where these bodies just fly apart, like the arms and legs just flying everywhere, and it's and it is brutal. And it's just it's funny to watch these games, and particularly Greystone plays the YouTuber. His commentary is his yeah. commentary is hilarious. Like what he says, like as he's playing these games, it is just hilarious. Like he'll say some of the silliest shit. Just be like. You know, like, why am I rising up to heaven through the swords? Or he'll also say, happy Wheel with God, happy Wheel with God, everything's fine. Or just like, just like <laughs> silly, silly little phrases like that. And he's like, I love I know, like, panicking over how to get through these, like, sometimes, like, really difficult courses. And yeah. There's also, there's also one option where you can play with, you can play like this dad on a bicycle who has a kid and the backseat of the bike. So if you fail, your kid also gets like stopped up by any of your obstacles or like the head, the head gets lopped off. It's like, it's so, it's so dark and entertaining and I like, I love it. It's just like really funny to watch these playthroughs and yeah, Happy Wheels. Oh, oh, Happy Wheels. Okay, so Happy Wheels was created in 2010. Okay, yeah. That's what that's when it was created. Oh, there's also a yeah. there's also a wheelchair option. You can also play as this really old guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> wheelchair bicycle. Oh my god, that's so pogo funny. sticks. I don't know this streamer. I'm gonna have to check them out. Definitely, and pogo sticks again. Pogo sticks are not. Yeah, there. It's so random. Oh my god. Oh, but that's Happy Wheels. Uh, specifically again the. Playthrough is by Greystow Plays, and that's my good words. All right, so now we presented our good words, and now all that's left is for us to plug ourselves and where people can find us. And first of all, I want to thank you so much, Twabi, for coming back here for your fourth episode. This was all, you know, as always, a blast to discuss these, you know, these this content with you, going to you know some deep dives, and now you get to plug yourself, your podcast. Where can people find you? 
Thank you. Yeah, always so much fun. Thank you for inviting me back. Uh, you can find Ready to Be Petty on all podcast platforms. We're discussing pop culture, reality TV, and celebrity gossip. And you can follow me on socials at RTBP Podcast. Nice, nice. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore says critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter, GoodPods, TikTok, StoryGraph, and Letterboxd at Arthur underscore Ant18. You can find me on Goodreads at Arthur Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email at twocentscritic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at twocentscritic.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether it's on Spotify, Anchors, iTunes, GoodPod, all of those services. And make sure you give the ratings and the views, especially because they really do help to bump us podcasters up to shots. Really crucial. Not joking here. It is. Oh, and once again, thank you so much for coming back on. Oh, thanks for having me. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong. <laughs>